And on that note, folks, welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. This is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re-examine them in the harsh, sobering light of 2020. And today, thank whatever god exists in this soulless universe, we are done with these fucking Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It's Calypso. Thank Calypso. <laughs> thank Calypso. We're done. Uh, my name is Ian Gears. I'm Lauren Thompson. I'm Eric Eilerson. And we are joined by Not Another Film Podcast All-Star and nautical expert, maritime expert, <laughs> Sam Hubbard. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. Please, please, sit, sit. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, you have about as, mu- about as much excitement as, uh, as our new protagonist in this movie. That's the rule, <laughs> isn't it? Is if you make three appearances on a podcast for a topic, you're officially an expert. Oh yeah, well, according to it, like the news, some sort of yeah, <laughs> yeah, some sort of naval or maritime. That's maritime so, law, as far as I know. Yeah, this is true. Um, yeah, we're here talking about Pirates of the Caribbean: colon, Dead Men Tell No Tales, mm-hmm. or as it was known in multiple other countries, apparently, Pirates of the Caribbean: colon, Salazar's Revenge, a character, mind you, that was not introduced until this movie. So, uh, great, great title. It is less confusing because it doesn't sound exactly like another title from the series. I really feel like the, uh, what Yogurt says that the second Spaceballs movie should be called Spaceballs, the search for more money. money. (laughs) The most apt for this one. You could actually boil down the entire philosophy of every major Disney franchise to that speech (laughs) in Spaceballs. It's true. And that may be, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, the flamethrower. It's a whole thing. But, um, so, no, yeah, no, wait, the- wait, wait. The last Pirates movie had a flamethrower. It was the ship. <laughs> Guys. Uh, th- yeah, and you know what? It was this one of it. two or three okay things in that movie. Um, this movie, uh, not directed by Gore Verbinski or Rob Marshall, uh, because Rob Marshall was off directing musicals at this point, as he had done before Pirates of the Caribbean. No, this movie was directed by uh, two dudes named... I'm going to fuck up these names because they're Norwegian. Um, uh, well, Sam, actually, Sam, you, you know how to pr- pronounce these names, right? So why don't you say them? Uh, Sven von Svendersten and <laughs> uh, Jürgen von Hammerschnook. I don't know. I don't have them in front of me. But I looked at them and went, I'm glad Ian's going to have to say them now. I believed you yeah, for a hot I'm, second. I was like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> It's I'm going to say Joachim Roning and Espen Sandberg. Yeah, Joachim's Razor and Espen Sandberg. It's uh <laughs> these Oh are the no, names. that's the I got that weapon in Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joachim's <laughs> Razor. Uh, yeah, Joachim Roning and uh Espen Sandberg. They uh, are a team. They've been directing a bunch of movies together. They uh directed this 2006 movie called Banditas, this uh, Penelope Cruz Salma Hayek movie, which is not only uh, a very attractive film to watch, but is also actually a lot of fun. And uh, they also directed, after this, Maleficent 2. Good news to all of you Pirates 5 fans, they're directing the next Pirates film. Wait, the one with Karen Gillan? Apparently they're attached to direct the next Pirates film. My excitement for that project was very They're high. still going to keep making these? They're oh. rebooting the franchise. Sam, I know it's been a while since you listened to our last episode because I know you you extensively went back and listened to all the Pirates episodes back to back to back to research. We did go over yes. the Pirates he did. films. Um, so we'll, go, we'll, 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 we'll say it again <laughs> at the end of this episode to look into the future of the franchise, naturally. Terrific. Yes, the, uh, these <laughs> movies are apparently being rebooted. Uh, 
Sans Johnny Depp, uh, or I guess Sans Johnny Depp, as they say in the Caribbean, uh, and uh, and with <laughs> yeah, with uh, Karen Gillan and uh, Margot Robbie. Apparently. No, those are two separate projects. Yeah, yeah but they those should be the same project. Films. They are separate films under different like production companies. Yeah. Same same franchise, but like different teams. Different production. It's Disney. Yeah, but like one's being like produced by Margot Robbie. This is bonkers. They just Which makes me more excited for it. Fine. Just but just make a fucking movie. Like don't talk about it, make it. There's but... a pandemic Ian. they're trying. <laughs> you know what? If we can have five movies starring Captain Jack Sparrow, we can have two movies about two separate women in the Caribbean being pirates. You And you... if they're both successful and then the third one happens and then they converge, then great. As I've said multiple times on this podcast, around. you had me at Margot Robbie and Karen Gillan. Yes. I'm I'm there. Uh, and this movie was written by Jeff Nathanson. So long, uh, our two buddies who had written the other four Pirates movies. This R. dude yeah, this is guy's, a fucking... This guy's IMDb is really something, if I may. Uh, this guy's a gun for hire. <laughs> Speed 2. Cruise Rush Control. Hour. The movie two. that brought Ian and I together. Lauren oh, and mine's first date. Mm-hmm. That's... I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it tracks, right? We like, bought it makes the sense. DVD at a 7-Eleven. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, yeah. Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is a film I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> and then Catch Me If You Can. Wait, what? And he is the sole writer on whoa, it. Whoa, whoa. So Sometimes... This guy can write a, a brilliantly paced movie with actual human interaction? I think what this tells us, though, is that we owe a lot more of Catch Me If You Can to Steven Spielberg's yes, quickly paced directing <laughs> Holy shit. than we do to the milquetoast writing. Uh, or inoffensive writing, I guess we should say. He also wrote The Terminal, which is the most milquetoast and inoffensive movie ever made. So... Uh... It's in the running, yeah. I don't have I don't have another one to combat it, but I just feel like the term the terminal is one of those movies that I feel like everyone's like, oh yeah, the terminal. The terminal. The terminal is a movie that halfway through that movie, I said I could see this on at a dentist's office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it sure. in theaters. Oh, me too. I loved I loved Tom Hanks. I bought a ticket yeah. to see the terminal. They sent us to the wrong theater, and I saw the Notebook instead. And it was great. Netwin. I know, net yeah, win. no, totally a net win overall. You supported Big Terminal, though. You didn't support I, I, the Notebook. Oh, damn it, I did. You know what? The Notebook is going to be just fine. Is he going to be in the Terminal the, the whole time? <laughs> yeah, anyway, we'll go back to... He also wrote The Lion King, uh, the remake, which I don't think is fair I'm because sorry, it's the same right? screenplay as the 1994 No one movie. wrote anything you on know, the You know, he copy-pasted the original... He transcribed the original pages into a google doc and got credit he downloaded celtics and he uh he wrote a script <laughs> he copy pasted it and then said maybe let seth rogan riff question mark and yeah. then that was it yeah and it's an insert beyonce song done yeah that's my recommendation for this anyway um so yeah i guess shall we uh sh- or let's go to what we normally do uh Theaters, did anybody, Eric, let's start with you. Did you see this movie in theaters? Did you, what was your experience with the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie? What was your excitement level when this came out? Did you give a shit about this franchise anymore? Um, no, 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 no. All the way across the board. Did not see it in theaters. Uh, remembered hearing about it. Other than the fourth one, which we agreed is like a Mandela effect, Berenstein Bears system where no one actually knows if it came out. 
I do remember this one coming out in theaters. I hadn't seen the fourth one. Didn't care about this one. I moved down with my life. I watched this one for the first time last week. And then I said, you know what? It's been a couple days. It had no staying power. So I'm going to watch it again today. I made it an hour in. And I decided I only have a set amount of hours in this life um, to watch things. <laughs> and I shan't give it another hour too. So that's my experience with this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sam, what about you? The first time I saw Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, was a couple days ago. <laughs> I uh, I saw the first one in theaters, like a lot of people, and I enjoyed it mostly, mostly because of the swashbuckling uh, Huge elements, fan. as, you know, is right at my alley. As, yeah. um, as a maritime law professor, it's, uh, <laughs> it's really edgy of you to like that they'll swashbuckling. Throw, well, I mean, they'll throw him out of the guild if he says anything bad. Right. Um, and then sort of as, like, the years went on after the first one, I kind of, you know lost interest in them and then my friend when the second one came out my friend who is um he's he's actually very successful now he's a new york times best-selling author but he's really into trash and he was like we're going at midnight and he pulled up to my house in like a puffy shirt and a vest with like a flintlock pistol with the with the soundtrack blaring in his car and he's like get in we're going and we saw it at midnight wait who is this friend i want to hang out with yeah them. i'll introduce you to gavi sometimes uh sorry gavi um but uh but then i we went at midnight to a theater filled with super fans and similar to ian seeing the third one i fell asleep in the middle of the second one because i was like this is i'm out i'm out and i hadn't seen or really thought about this series much since until a couple days wow. ago when i Set sail again. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, I have few regrets and a lot of thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) All we can say is, uh, thank God Disney Plus logins are uh, easy to text to each other. Yeah, yeah, Lauren, what about you? Because we saw this movie together. We saw this movie together. Um, It had made no impression on me. It was one of those movies we saw because like, we were just so bored. We were doing a contract in rural Michigan, and one of my rules that I like to do whenever I do this contract is I like to go see a movie usually about once a week, mainly to get me out of the dorms where we stay, uh, but also just because it's like the movies are just significantly cheaper. It's like $5. Yeah, it's legit five or six bucks, so it's, it's, if the movie's bad, it's not that bad. Uh, it's not a huge loss, and I remember this was like the only thing playing... That we even remotely were interested in, and yeah. Yeah, we would see in the middle of the day, we were like the only people in the theater, as usual. With Steph Din, with not another yeah. film podcast alum, Steph Din, who's Lovely. on our Mystery Alaska episode. Yeah, and um, I retained no information of the movie. Like, just it just didn't record in my brain. I didn't realize that there had been a fourth one until I was sitting in the theaters for this one. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe they made another one of these ten years after the last one. And then somebody was like, well, there was a fourth one that came out like seven seven or eight years ago. Yeah, I don't think I'd even seen a trailer for this film before we went to see it in theaters. I, I have no clue. I don't think we'd even decided what movie we were going to see until we were at the theater. And then we made the call. I remember I was uh, very much under the influence of a couple of different things when I saw this movie in theaters. Ian was laughing very, very hard at the guillotine scene, I remember. Still was today, and I was very sober. He was a very big fan. Um, but yeah. He loves guillotine humor. Um, <laughs> There's not enough French of it, Revolution frankly, fan. in 2020. Yeah, yeah we'll I can more, please. That, that was probably the, the most enjoyable sequence in terms of yeah. the action. It, and then I remember that Centrifugal Force exists. 
Yeah. And, uh, no, no, it's pirate magic say, force. Yeah, no, no. I, I really, I, <laughs> I only have a few things to say about the physics in this movie, but one of them. <laughs> That's surprising, yeah. considering this ends with a fucking Exodus level parting of the seas. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that, it's a that divide. was divide. Oh, it's this a divide, is at least, very clearly. This is at least clever enough to be in a to be in a movie, even if you know. It's yeah, yeah this movie peaks early in terms of like set pieces, in oh. terms of like fun action sequences. It's it, got two right up front that are pretty fun. It takes them a goddamn hour to get out to the sea. I, that, I wrote I'm that okay down. With yeah. It. Yeah, there was a moment I'm okay when, with it. when Charlie and I watched it together fully. When I, the only time I've watched this movie in its entirety, uh, when when they got to the point of oh we're off on the mission, we paused it. It's like oh I'll get a refill, and I'm like, fifty nine minutes. I did the exact same thing. Where it's like okay, we're finally all go get in the thing. How far? Oh, we're fifty four minutes into this movie. It's before we're all unbelievable. Yeah, my. My false memory was that everything that happened in that first hour was the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. But it makes sense because everything that happens when they're out at sea is so forgettable that I didn't remember any of it. Yeah. Um, and it's also, let's... if you go from the fourth one, I will I will say, since we just watched the fourth one, which I... Th- it's interesting. I think we're all going to have different movies we think are the longest in the franchise. Like, Ian, you famously think the third one is the longest one in history. I think Lauren Well, and it I is thought, objectively the longest one in the, in the sure, franchise. Sure, subjectively, I think Lauren and I agreed the fourth one felt like the longest one. I do yeah. think this one felt not as long as the fourth. Like, going from that to this was, was a really nice, like, taking the, the weights off the bat. Like, I'm like, oh, this is a movie-length movie. That's fine. Well, and also, it's just nice that, like, Jack was in it, but he's not the lead of it. Yes, they um, really they really put a lot more weight on the protagonist, which I'm sure we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, like, which is what we'd other all been characters for. need to be the leads of the film and not Jack. Well, they I remembered... That's what this film really reinforces. They remembered that Jack Sparrow is a seasoning, uh, and you can't have a full meal on just salt. But, you know, and However, scurvy. I, I do feel like he's the reason most, a lot of people are coming to see this, right? Oh, sure. yeah. Can any of you tell me what Jack Sparrow wants in this movie? I couldn't tell you <laughs> the, what he wants in this the, franchise. Right. What, what, what is he going at? Like, he, he's, he's, so he's not an active protagonist at all. Which is why you, the first one is so brilliant, because he wants the pearl. Like, it's about the love of the ship. And this this yeah. movie, honestly, despite the ridiculous machinations of the fourth, where they give the ship in a bottle, you, you, you basically serve up on a silver platter this lovely need. I need to get the black pearl out. I need to get the love of my life freed so I can finally sail away into the sunset. He and never they, tried smashing it. Once. They fuck it up marvelously. Literally, all you had to do was open it. He also <laughs> and you, like that's the stupidest shit. I'm, well, I mean, like, let's just dive in and talk about <sighs> it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, <sighs> they do they do the smart thing of Jack not really coming in until about twenty minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. thankfully. But you'd think because the movie begins, Jack specifically begins at a low point. Like, literally, it feels like Johnny Depp is trying to remember how to play Jack Sparrow. I don't think that it's on purpose that he's at a low point. No. I think he's supposed to start this movie winning, winning, winning. It's horrible. He's banging the mayor's wife. He is, like, chilling in a safe. He's pulling off a heist. Like, he is genuinely supposed to be at a high point. 
and it just comes off as a low point because the performance is so bad and he looks like shit. Dude, the worst thing that happened to these movies, besides the fact that they kept getting made, was that they switched from doing these on film to doing them on digital. Filming these movies on digital does nothing for these films. They These look so bad. Was this also corny. digital, the fifth one? This was also digital, and it looks awful. Yeah, and like, I... Uh, for a I, for a big budget movie, we'll play the budget game later. Mm. But it's like you know, I mean, literally, the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean is on record as the most expensive film ever made, and it looks like shit. So, yeah. like, you you really can't win with these if you're gonna be making these big swashbuckling epics. They like they do at least need to kind of look worn and like there's some history in them and there's something to it. This looks way too polished and like a fucking cartoon. Most of this stuff looks like a video game. Well, all and, of the wear and tear is on people's faces. And performances. I mean, dude, Johnny Depp, honestly, I know we said he was, at a, he was low last movie and he was. This movie was like, it hurt to watch a bit because it's like, you're watching your your family member that was going to go Ivy League and had all these dreams, but they got addicted to meth or something. And then they come up to Christmas, and you're like, hi, like, uh-huh, you were you It great. legit reads like the guy who's just like, I was nominated for an Oscar for this 15 years yeah. ago, remember? And I forgot how to act. Even though I'm a great actor, I can be great, and I've decided to not to. Yeah, it's very much like a, a pop sensation from 20 years ago who's still touring and playing the one hit, but he's, you know, he's his voice is gone. and it, It's really yeah. like Jeff Bridges' character at the beginning of Crazy Heart, but way worse. He also, he also, he plays this character with the same amount of, like, self-hatred and just kind of like, I don't fucking know why I'm still doing this, that I imagine Bill Nye's character from Love Actually toured with before the movie began. Yeah! Where he's just kind of like, I people still want to see me, right? I'm still in costume. Do you like this? What? Do, is this for you? Isn't there... In his first shot in this film, he looks like a ghoul. Isn't there <laughs> like, like a line at one point where... When someone meets him, oh, it's, it's what's his face, Henry, where he's like, "This can't be the great Jack Sparrow, no way," and I'm like, yeah. "That's that's the whole yes, that's how I yeah. feel." Yeah, well, because he has a moment where he goes like, "I'm Captain Jack Sparrow," and he does it as if he is a Im Jack Sparrow impersonator at Disney on his first day, yes. being like, "Oh no, I gotta be extra," and I'm like, "Dude, no," but I gotta extra, say that but does also help, like Henry hollow. with the line delivery. Yeah, but hollow. I also, I think, I think there's a meta level to this movie where Johnny Depp wanted to kill this franchise. I really think, if you really look at it, he already <laughs> didn't have a good experience on the fourth one. The producer that, like, like let him get by with all of the whole, like, like don't fire Johnny Depp. Like, he's got a great idea for this character on the first movie whenever it went, all the producers were like, fuck this guy. Like, he is going way too crazy with this role. The one producer that, like, stood by him was fired from Disney during the production of Pirates 4. And he was, like, already, like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And then they offered him an obscene amount of money to come back and do this movie again. Um, tri spoiler alert for trivia. Towards the end of uh, production for this movie, he was going through a horrific divorce that has been uh, uh, pretty publicly uh, documented. And so he was at a very personal low point during this. It and I reads. think it reads on the screen. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 
Um, He's like, so you get one take out of me today. I am exhausted. I'm emotionally dead. I can fake this for 43 seconds. So if you're rolling, I can do it now. It is, it is a like harrowing performance. Apparently his lateness to set became so common that the directors would secretly send uh, production assistants to his hotel and whenever they would see the light in his hotel room turn on in the mornings, they would radio down to set and tell people to start getting ready. And it would regularly be like an hour or so after his call time. Can I say something surprising in contrast to this? Please. I think Johnny's giving zero. I think the two new young leads are really pulling up the slack, and I think they do quite well. I That's think one of them is trying. I agree with Ian. I think one, 50%. one works out. And, uh, I, I enjoy is... them both. But maybe I'm also doing this, having such recency bias from fucking Serena and Philip, that we're like, this, the fourth movie fuckos. Like, I... The I, mermaid and the priest, Sam. <laughs> I think Brenton Thwaites is the like perfect example of like young, hot, white dudes that just keep getting chance after chance after chance. And just after being mediocre in literally everything they've done. I think less than mediocre, honestly. This dude is a... Like, if the guy from 4 was a plain white cup of vanilla yogurt in an actor's body, this guy is a paper cup of low-fat vanilla yogurt. No, He's oh, I take less him, than I nothing. Take him, no, I take him over Preacher... Uh, uh, just because day. he looks more like Orlando just, Bloom yes, doesn't he mean he's good. Yeah, exactly. He no, no, no. Like well, Orlando Bloom, Orlando speaking Bloom of which, doll is terrible in this movie. And you movie. brought it to life and you said, good enough. You said, good enough. This golem creature is a person. Well, it's not a person. Let's get into it now. Okay, so let's talk about the alternate castings for Henry Turner, who was the uh, so the actor or the character who is ascend, uh, effectively our protagonist for this movie. He's the son of William and Elizabeth. Yeah. Ooh. He's the, or at least I would say he's the lead of this movie while yeah. not actually doing anything. So he's not really the protagonist. What year was uh, this again? Much like Will himself. I'm sorry? What year was this again? Did this get 2017. filmed? 2017. Can we? Three years ago. Does anyone have a, a guess at who, like, the, the your boring white dudes? I don't know. Logan Lerman. The person who Ooh. had this role, who was supposed to play this role, it makes total sense. I don't know if it would have been better, See, but it made sense. In 2017. I guarantee you Logan Lerman tested for it. Guarantee. Uh, Logan Lerman's not in the five names that I have, but okay. All uh, Aaron Wright. Ansel Elgort. No. Uh, yeah, do Ansel. you guys want to make one guess? One guess each. Ooh, one guess each. I, I'm going to steal Ansel Elgort. I, okay. I just said oh, first. Great. How can you Whoa, steal it? Eric. No, that's You said Logan Lerman. Uh, but that was before we were making Fine. official Alden guesses. Fine, Alden Ehrenreich. I'll also put in Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich, great. You want to say Ansel Elgort? Yes, I would like to say Ansel Elgort. Samuel? Well, yeah, then if we have those two, I have to complete the trifecta with Taylor Egerton. With the <laughs> Taron Egerton. <laughs> Taron Egerton. Egerton. Oh, okay. that would have been great. Two of you are correct. Just <gasps> uh, Ansel Elgort was one of them. Yes. Taron Egerton was <gasps> another one of them. What? Oh, Solid. I would have loved that. I love Taron The other Egerton. person was Damn. George McKay. From 1917, if anybody saw that, oh, the main dude sure. in 1917. Who's a very good actor. Mm -hmm. Wait, um, yeah, the guy, Temin from Game of Thrones or the other guy? No, the other guy. The, one with the, the, guy. the one with the angular features. Yeah. yeah the one yeah. who's like secretly 40 and has a kid, but you would never tell because he looks yeah. like he's 18. And then the person who had this role but could not do it because of scheduling conflicts mm -hmm. due to the massively popular television show they were on mm -hmm. was Kit Harrington. Oh. Oh, which makes a ton of sense. Yes, it does. 
That yes. Kit Harrington was supposed yep. to play Henry Turner. No. Yeah, it tracks I'm, I'm gonna, though. For you 2017. You know what a hot take right now? I'm gonna make a hot take. That would have been a bad idea. I would have rather seen Taron Egerton much, do it. Much oh more. yeah, Taron Egerton much more. He would have sang a pirate song. Let's enough. be honest. Shave. There is enough. Shaved face. There are enough problems with how much time has passed without a visual representation of like maybe it's been thirty years. <laughs> like, I like well, you it. You need a you need a baby faced boy. Okay, so let's let's dive in uh, to the very beginning uh, where there's a dream. Or not even a dream. It's not a dream. Henry Turner uh, goes out. He's like eight years old or some bullshit. He's a little kid. Let's just break the plot of the later part of the movie. He, uh, yeah, he already. sails out to the middle Let's of the sea. Let's fuck up with this cold open. And I if, have a lot of questions. If you thought the third movie was fucking hardcore for starting with <laughs> the hanging of a child, this movie starts with the kid effectively killing himself. He it's puts fine. a bunch of rocks in a bag, ties it to his foot, and then throws himself overboard in this little rowboat that he's After got. going, looking at the stars in a map, being like, yeah, the Dutchman should be here. Dude, was this It was about kid what is, we got. This kid's insane. He's metal. Um, but yeah. So yeah, this kid's metal as fuck. This kid's metal as um, fuck, and his mom is negligent. This uh, is the coolest that this kid is the entire film. <laughs> the funniest thing about this is we get, like, a little, like, pan over of this kid's room while he's, like, getting ready to go out. And he's got, like, a poster that says Father's Curse, and it's, like, got scribbles on it. It's the mm-hmm. worst post. It's the worst band name of any pirate band that's ever existed <laughs> in the 1700s. Yeah. <laughs> Just named, like, Led Zeppelin albums. Yeah, much like Johnny Depp, the new stuff from Pirate's Curse, is, or from Father's Curse, is bad. You don't want to hear it. They had a great album in the 1760s, but all their stuff after that has been rough. Um, yeah, so he gets picked up by the Flying Dutchman, and uh, Orlando Bloom, hey, welcome back to this franchise. He sucks. Here's your bag of money. Movie. You got an hour? All right, bye. I've never right liked Right off the him, bat, so I have questions. <laughs> Not um, even in the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven? I have a no, lot of questions about his appearance right off the bat. Go for it. Um, it is clearly established in three. parts two and three that the only reason that they are covered in barnacles and are fish people is because they're not doing their jobs. Yep. They're not shepherding souls and to Davy Jones' locker. And when Davy Jones ceases to be the captain of the Flying Dutchman and a new captain comes aboard who is going to do the jobs and ferry the souls to the afterlife... Will Turner, they all turn back to Humans. Right. So why does Will have barnacles on his face if he's doing his bo- his fucking job? Was he having like a long weekend and then the, the sea was just like, all right, you got to be back for capitalism. Like, he I'm also confused. says to his son, like, hey, stay out of like, like get, get in the shadows because if they see you, they'll kill you. Aren't you the captain? You're the captain. Yeah. I mean, the, also, the um, dudes were super chill. Like, once they turned the, back into humans and got a new captain, they were super cool and chill. This is only one of a couple things I'll say about this sort of thing, but all of these ships are severely undermanned. There's no way ships of this size could be run <laughs> with this few people. I know. I'll retreat. <laughs> oh, Thank Sam you, Sam. Hubbard, nautical expert. Thank you, Sam. All right. We'll oh thank you. God. This has been your fun fact corner with Sam Hubbard. Why haven't you been on all of these? <laughs> My, my thought on Barnacle Face, though, Lauren, I also had that thought. And because, you, as I am wont to do, I will mental gymnastic as much as I can before I give up on a film. I'm like, you know what? Davy your Jones gift and your curse. Yeah, exactly. He was my father's curse. It's uh, your he was, father's <laughs> curse. <laughs> he was straight up Squidman. He was a Squidman. Mm-hmm. And was I Squidward. think that 
Orlando Bloom is still basically Orlando Bloom with a couple barnacles. I think that might just be hazard of being underwater all the time. No, 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 no. No, it's not. Because okay. in the final scene of Pirates of the Caribbean 3 at World's End, we all remember, um, he comes asleep. back after, what, 14 years to visit his kid, who is around the same age as this kid is in the cold open. Okay, it would be 10 years. We all Wait, know he comes that back you can to visit step a kid? on land once about? every 10 years. That's yeah, the rule. he does. In the, I think it's the post-credit scene in the third uh, one. Wait, he comes there's back. a post-credit scene in the third Pirates movie? Yeah. He comes back. Exactly. And Elizabeth what? is walking up with a kid. Yeah, she's got a kid. I think he was fine in that. In that I have never seen this. Eric, we talked about this because we talked about why Elizabeth wouldn't just take a rowboat out to the Flying Dutchman and bang her husband on the I off days. I thought that was we all hypothetical. How... Also, like, it doesn't make any sense. Elizabeth could just, again, take a rowboat out there and chill. And also, what's the problem with this kid just like taking an internship on his dad's boat just to hang out with him for a little bit? Are I you... don't see the problem here. Yeah. And also, this establishes something that comes into play later. The Flying Dutchman can appear just anywhere if you're in trouble and just scoop you up underwater and yet they never appear again in this entire film despite having complete dominion over the sea this is huge the the hashtag where's dad of this like whenever henry is tied to masts when he is threatened a million quadrillion times like i love you son but get out of here and at, at no point do they have the han solo millennium falcon moment of the flying dutchman coming to save the day so we have ghost ship on ghost ship action like Come on. No, Will's just like, I really got like a business meeting that I just can't miss. Sorry. No, it's because Will's negligent now. He doesn't care about his job. He's been out to sea for 10 years. He's probably got some strange and it looks like a mollusk. And he's probably just like, you know what? What Elizabeth doesn't know won't hurt her. Yes, I fucked a flounder once. (laughs) Sorry. It was cool. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is probably leaving her kid at home so that she can be a pirate captain because she just every 10 years pretends to be a housewife. But then the rest of the year is just like chilling on the seven seas. Yeah, I get why this kid wants to kill himself at 10. I hope Elizabeth spends nine years and 364 days as just, like, the best poker player on whatever island she's living on. And she just has this incredible secret double life. I hope she's the born identity. Who's she playing poker with? Because it's a completely abandoned island she lives on. Or she... I don't even know if there's one, there's one building on the island they live on. No, it's Gibbs. He's always wrong when you no. need him, right? <laughs> he just shows yes, up. Yes, except for when he's working for Jack for 20 years and then quits oh, yeah, another, just in time for Another character that does absolutely nothing in this. Um, cool. So, oh, I could yell about this movie all day. Yeah, so, uh-huh. okay, what did I say? Oh, yeah, this movie features kid suicide before any dialogue. That's great. Uh, Will's all barnacled. The kid wants to break the curse with getting a trident that will break all curses. I think... Did somebody tell Orlando Bloom he was... Like, I think somebody told him, like, the Brad Pitt adage of, like, you're a character actor trapped in a, trapped in a handsome man's body, and he kind of took that to heart. Yeah, this is, I like, talk he does that now. shitty. He does that shitty Three Musketeers at this point where he's, like, doing a lot and none of it's good, and he's just, like, adding a lot more, like, he's, he's hoisting up a lot more sales in, in his repertoire, and none of them are very good. He's, no. he's a very limited actor. Yeah. <laughs> very pretty face. And the thing is, he doesn't look good in the bandana. He he could have gone the way of like, just be pretty and don't do a lot and be the one that like all the really intelligent, cool people in the movie talk about. And I think he would have been fine, but he tried to be a little too active. Yeah. So then we uh, cut cut for ten years. 
Henry is, I guess, an adult now. Cool. He's working on a ship also, I guess, fine. And this ship gets totally fucked by a ghost ship. A g-g-g-ghost ship led by Captain Salazar, who is, surprise, Jack Sparrow's old mortal enemy from one battle ago. And he's here to, I guess, just fuck up any and all ships. They fly into, they, they sail into what's known as the Devil's Triangle, which is also what men call vaginas at this time. And they... It's always best when you just say the punchline out loud. That's always what's funniest. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of this movie's move, though. Yes. Like, this is, the this most... is not a move for uh, subtle sex jokes. No. No. There's, I feel like the entendre gets up to like 20% in this movie, and it's it's not for the best. Yeah, no. it's, it sucks, yeah. This is where I'm like, this is a movie where I'm like, yeah, this is why it sucks when there's only one woman on this team. They'll also this, tell this like a dirty joke, and then let the camera linger to let the audience go, get it? And then they'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> like There's a pregnant pause. Like, what is it when, it, when the guys talk about the telescope? like, no woman's ever handled my whatever. And we look at the guy like, Ah? There's a ah? lot in this movie of like leaving room for like the big filled movie theater opening night reactions that you yeah. can really feel when you're watching yeah. Alone in Quarantine. <laughs> oh shit, yep. There's no movie that will make you feel the loneliness of quarantine <laughs> quite like Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. <laughs> um, so yeah, Put that on your DVD cover. We're, we're, we're back in the Caribbean. We're out of London. Fuck it. We're nowhere near London again. We're back in the Caribbean. Too expensive. Jack, yeah, Jack Sparrow. It's nine years later. Nine years later, like Wait, we this said. This is important. It's been 20 years since the third film. Yes. Just keep that in mind. Everyone looks exactly the same. We posited this before because we had we had problems with the aging in the in the very first prologue of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie when Commodore Norrington is talking to a young Elizabeth Swan who he will eventually want to become engaged to, and I had massive problems with that because she's literally a child in that. Um, and Eric, the actor, Eric, no, who, Eric, don't say anything, Eric. I have, don't <laughs> oh, try and stop him. And Jack Please. Davenport I is playing Jack Davenport still. Um, but so we we made the assumption cute, on our podcast that Jack Sparrow, since he's already washed up in the first parts of the Caribbean movie, is probably generously in his mid to late thirties. Yeah, yeah. Which was confirmed yeah. by the junior novelization. That's right. He was in his mid thirties. He's like he's thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah, you know, washed up at thirty five. Good for you. And uh, people didn't live that long. <laughs> Talk to Weatherby Swan. That man had a you nice saw, long uh, lifestyle. Ian, you saw how hot young CGI Jack Sparrow was. I wait. People no, well, live that long. What do you? What about Barbosa? He looks like an. He looks like Judy Dench again in this movie. He looks better than he does in four. Are we bringing up the Alita Battle Angel Gilbert Grape that I? Let us not yet. Let us. I, I'm not. I need. To, I need to ramp up. I need to ramp up to that. Sh- that Tony Stark Iron Man shit. Do it. <laughs> that is haunting my nightmares now. <laughs> that horrible, horrible thing that I witnessed. Remember no, back in the, the day, we used to just Jack recast. Sparrow. You would recast oh people God. to play younger versions of actors, and that was fine. It was, it was fine. fine. We were fine with it, remember? Like, we're fine with it, guys. Just cast someone else. Not when you've got an actor as effortlessly fuckable as Johnny Depp. Well, he certainly so is effortless. Why the CGI video game version. It's the worst thing that has happened 
to movies in recent memory is this technology. <laughs> Sorry, I, I stand by. I think that this technology is awful. And I loved The Irishman. What up? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it may be my recommendation at the end of this. <laughs> Still haven't seen it. We've had all of quarantine. Lauren has seen so much shit. She's watched five Pirates movies multiple times, but has not sat for The Irishman. I watched all of Breaking Bad and none of The Irishman. That was a necessary viewing, though. But, um... Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Sam you wouldn't so dare! Like, I'm just all of the Pacino lines are right Sam and I's friendship is on uh, tenuous ground. It's on Stranger Tides, if you will. So we run into Captain oh! Salazar, played by Oscar Javier winner... Bargain. Javier Bardem. 90% of his lines are just saying Jack Sparrow. How do we feel about Javier Bardem in this movie as Captain Salazar? I'm glad he got paid to say two words. Did someone, for some reason during the casting, say, hey, so we've hired Javier Bardem. That's great. You know what? I don't know if he's just effortlessly scary. I don't know if he can act a good villain. There's not, like, a ton of evidence to show he can do it well. So let's really just (laughs) CGI the fuck out of him let's make sure we modulate his voice in a weird way so his lines become incomprehensible oh and then put i don't know black mucus in his mouth then we'll know he's scary remember you 10 hate- years ago how he won an oscar for his presence and 15 lines of dialogue <laughs> like if it was just javier bardem in a little like bootstrap bill makeup it would have been fine i fucking hair that's waving all the time that cost probably 80 million dollars to animate like you don't need that shit make him wet He's Excuse wet. And, he's he's wet and scary, Ben Shapiro. He's just wet. Um, <laughs> a plus. Oh man, I yeah no I. We are making this joke because we have a running joke about how Sam Hubbard's headshot looked like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, my for all of our listeners at home. My question also, Ben was said some questionable a... things about wetness today. And Indeed. fuck you, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> my my question that I wrote down here was on a scale of Anton Chigurh to Silva from the hit film Skyfall. Where does Captain Salazar land? At a twelve. For us? <laughs> it's at a twelve. <laughs> it's it's so much, and he can do whatever he wants. I feel bad for him that he had to do this movie. I'm sure he got paid well, but like you feel, Sam. He signed on without a script. I understand. He was excited to do yeah. this movie. And he probably had to, like, actually not be around the other actors and just wear a, a green suit the whole time. He's actually also not in the movie very much. He's no. not. Compared well, to, but like, that's the other also... Pirates villains historically in the franchise, they usually have a pretty big role, I feel. Much like, uh, much like, um... I'm even forgetting his name. The the pointless hunk of 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 whatever that is Henry uh, in this movie. The actor who plays him, Brenton like, Thwaites. Yes, much like that actor, uh, Javier Bardem was not supposed to play the villain in this movie. They had already cast someone else, but then that actor had to drop out because of previous conflicts. Uh, and who was it? Antonio was Banderas. It, Antonio, Banderas? Antonio Banderas. Was it another Spanish? Captain? It was not. Oh. It wasn't. Oh. The character's name was originally Captain Brand, and then they changed it to Captain Salazar after they mm-hmm. cast Javier Bardem. Hmm. 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 Gary Oldman? Chris- Christoph Waltz. Ooh, uh, ooh good that's guess. a good one. Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen, great one. Sam is right. It is Christoph Waltz. That, that makes sense. It was sense supposed to be Christoph Waltz. And then Christoph Waltz went on and did the uh, Three Musketeers. Yeah. As well as Mads Mikkelsen. They're both in that movie. That's and all truly... three of those people are Bond villains in the Daniel Craig universe. Yep, exactly. The Daniel Craig verse. 
has a type. Yeah. It, it genuinely is. It's like they were like, okay, uh, well, Jack Sparrow's pretty much the James Bond of the Seven Seas. Uh, Thank you just... for saying that, even in jest. <laughs> <laughs> let's put all of in his villains in that he is in aging here. and his body is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> and then he is a shell of the man that he once was. Except in one, it's a conscious storytelling choice, and in the other one, it just sort of happens, and it's sad. Yeah, so... I'll let you guess which one. So when we when we meet Jack Sparrow, like we said, he is inside of a bank vault uh, with all of this money. He is dead drunk asleep, uh, and he is asleep on top of loads of money like he's fucking Scrooge McDuck. There, he, he is 60 years old. He is, <laughs> again, canonically, 60 years old. And he is sealed in a vault. For hours upon hours, potentially, with uh, no oxygen. Remember how in the last movie, a whole movie about the search for the Fountain of Youth, Jack Sparrow decides at the end, nah, I don't really want it. Well, I don't know what's happening, but this guy looks exactly the same. They had the perfect opportunity to m- give, give an excuse, and instead they said, nah. Nah, dog. Nah, he's 60. Because I think yeah. the thing is, like, weirdly, Johnny Depp overall... Is aging decently well. I don't. I think that's fair to yeah, say. Yeah, he's a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, but like, is it for his for? He's a little bloated. From two thousand three you know. to two thousand seventeen, just as a person, he's done okay. Like, but I think Jack himself, he's putting so little effort, as we said earlier, into this character. The character feels so much older, but so there's a discrepancy between the look and the soul. I breathe such a sigh, like not even a sigh. It is like a, a an exasperated, like breath when he comes on screen every time in this movie. Like I am looking at, like I'm that I'm gonna have to walk uphill. Like I genuinely am just like Jesus Christ. I have to have another scene with this guy. I can't believe that he's still in this movie. Will somebody kill him, please? And no, because this franchise would die, and God forbid the mouse not make any more money. Um, so they're like, we're gonna steal the bank. He's so drunk. Again, like we said, he's remembering his lines. There are rumors that apparently on set, Jack Sparrow, uh, Johnny Depp had to have an earpiece in his ear to feed him his lines because he wasn't remembering his dialogue. Um, there are definitely moments in this film that read as vamping because I can't remember my line. Yep. Yes. Um, and then... And a lot of approximating of what the lines probably were. The crew from the Black Pearl, Gibbs and like three others... Uh, they they try to pull the safe through the walls, and instead they steal the entire bit from the jerk where they start pulling an entire building through town, which is something. Yeah, it's it's not not fun. I mean, there's not any stakes to it, but it's, it's certainly fine. more fun than his escape in the fourth movie. It's yes. more fun than oh, any yeah. single <clears throat> action scene in the fourth one. Yeah, yes. I'd agree with that. At all, it's it, more it, memorable. It is more fun than anything in the fourth one. Yep. Sam, how'd you feel about this this scene? I mean, I really had to work hard to not think about the physics involved, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> like, I was like, there's no... I'm thinking about those ropes, about those horses. What are they feeding those horses that they pull this old building? Whey protein. They're ghost yeah, whey. horses. No, it's nay protein. Nay, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> boo. Um, I, I do feel like, yeah, that and the guillotine bit are the ones that are like at least have some imagination sort of to them, but yeah. it's, it's pretty rough. I mean, and then yeah. like the, the last bit where they go through the archway and he's got to 
jump and run along the archway while the bank is being sort of exploded around him. I imagine that that in a different movie, that being really exciting, but in Mm -hmm. the overproduced, we got to like have the tiles fall out for the 3D audience version of this. It's really, really just there's so much shit on the screen that it's so hard to enjoy. Yeah. It also again, and I know we talked about this before, and this is not a new a new point to bring up, but it's like I know we're not supposed to bring a ton of <laughs> real life thought and physics into these movies, but if Jack is as drunk as he is at the beginning of this movie, at the in his first scene in this movie, then ten minutes later, him doing some of these acrobatic stunts, I just don't buy it. I really don't. He falls flat on his face, he throws up, and he is passed out in the middle of the street. He can barely form a sentence when they see him for the first time. Yeah, he's full-on slurring in a way that... I don't think we've ever seen him in the series slur the way that he slurs. I'm genuinely concerned for Jack Sparrow, and I am on record on this podcast as saying, I hate this character. But it's a great point, Lauren. You like the the problem I think with this movie is not that it's boring like four, is that it never follows its own rules that it sets up. Yeah. Like it goes for so many things with Jack that's like for a cheap laugh. Moment to pro- moment satisfaction. That's yeah, all and it the cares problem about. is yeah, whereas like the, the mythology of the first movie is so good because it follows a, an order of things. Like Jack is never super intoxicated, so he can do these things that are out of luck, but when he's fighting Will, you're like, oh, he's still a swordsman, though, so I still get how this works. Everything Jack does in this fifth movie is based purely on luck and is based on him turning his face away from the camera so you don't see the stuntman that's slamming his body into the ground repeatedly. Yeah, it was just sort of like, I, I feel like it's just like a fundamental misunderstanding of some of like the core traits of Jack in the first movie yep. that just really bother me. It's like he had this sort of like, like slowed down speech that almost sounds like a slur in the first movie but really doesn't read as slurring in the first movie it reads as like a stylistic thing more than mm-hmm. anything of just like yeah. the way he presents himself and then the way he kind of sways always felt to me and I know some people interpret this as, and you can interpret this as him being drunk but he is very competent so I don't think it is is that it's more of a like this is a character who has like lived his life on sea so that when he's on land he kind of tilts from side to side because he's not used to being on solid ground which is part of the physicality that I really like in that first film sure because like he actually is like very quick on his feet he is very like crafty in the moment and like that doesn't seem like someone who's always drunk and that's a more interesting character because in the first film He's so much more of an active force in these action scenes, whereas now he's just the Looney Tunes character that's getting caught up in stuff happening. He's not an active participant mm-hmm. that wants things anymore. He's just in the middle of hijinks. Yep. And that's so much less interesting to watch than a character solving problems in real time. Yeah. yeah. I completely agree with you. That's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, David Wenham's in this also. <laughs> um, but then we get... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, David Wenham is literally in this movie to do jack shit, absolutely nothing. To remind us that the British Navy is a thing, and then to follow on the promise of all of these movies, which is that the British Navy does absolutely nothing. We don't need the British Navy in every single Pirates movie. No. Pirates are enough. <laughs> no, you, and again, it's the one thing, and I, I agree, the fourth movie is a piece of shit, but it's the one good thing they did in that movie was they utilized the British Navy well by making Barbosa the head of the British Navy. So it actually made a little bit more sense as to why they were an element in this stew. But in this, it's just kind of like, dude, fucking get out of this movie. You don't, they get killed with such 
little a plume with nothing, with yep. no garnish. They are so fucking dead and no one cares. They get eaten by a skeleton ship and no one cares. David Wenham. Faramir. Yeah. Is this guy in the other movies? No. No. Oh, okay. No. He just, he just he's built up like That's he's it. a big deal. Exactly. No. Because nope. this movie was trying to be like a soft reboot of the first one. So they wanted like right. a Norrington-like character with none of the of like the levels of, of Jack Davenport's character. But I don't know. It's all dumb. Anyway, uh, we get to meet Karina, who's our other lead, who I admit when we first saw this movie in theaters, I was so like, fuck these two young guns. Fuck Muppet Babies Pirates. I don't care about these people. Like, rewatching it this time, I gave... Kaya Scaladario, who plays this character, I gave her a bad rap. She is doing what she can with nothing. Yep, um, I quite enjoy her in this movie overall. I like that I they agree. like she's definitely the Elizabeth Swan the second. They're trying. She doesn't quite get to that level of grandioseness, but like I like the scientist aspect of it. I like the fact that she's like, no, these stupid idiots. I'm just trying to look at the stars. Um, I can find my own way out. But I think she's fun. I think she's competent. Like you said earlier, like, competency is great in these movies when we can find it. Yeah, she's a I scientist, like and if you don't know how or why she's a scientist, it's because in every scene, she does the great film trick of telling you she knows yeah. science. Yes. Every quite. single line she has is, I'm a scientist, so I know this. And then there's we'll have like a lot of No, there's variations on that movie. joke. Where she says, I'm an astronomer, and then they say, ass? And then she says, I'm also a horologist, and they say, oh. Whore. whore. Uh, I, you know, I really classy. Admit, classy jokes. The horologist <laughs> joke really made me laugh. That is the I, know, I do think the horologist joke, I think you either, you get one or the other. You get the astronomer joke, or you get the horologist joke. I don't know that you get both, movie. See, I laughed at the astrolog- astronomer joke because I thought Stephen Graham sold it well. Uh, Stephen Graham, also like we said last time, in The Irishman. Yeah, do you think this is what Scorsese saw and was like, I gotta have him. Gotta have him. Absolutely. He did it. He was like, who would disrespect Al Pacino by wearing shorts? (laughs) Scrum from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. To a meeting. Yeah. He's so good in the movie. Um, Yeah, I I honestly wish he had more to do because he was one of the bright spots of the fourth movie. Um, so my favorite thing about the Kaya Scaladario plot is she is trying to find, she has a journal, the journal of Galileo, and she's trying to find the trident, Poseidon's Guys, trident. Did you know that Galileo just really wanted a trident to rule the seven seas? The only reason Galileo even did any of his astronomy work was to find Poseidon's trident. You guys want to know why this made sense to me? And it's dumb, but here's why. There are so many ways I could take this answer, so I want you to answer before I say anything. In every Assassin's Creed game, you have one (laughs) historical person that you meet that is secretly helping the Assassins do everything. Like, Da Vinci designed everything, so when they're like, Galileo, I'm like, oh, that's their historical person. He was secretly working with Always magic the whole time. Around. So that that's why I bought it because that those yeah, are the games I, I play. Like, there I are so it. many with you. 
Yeah. There are so many scientists at this like this time and past times. Does it always have to be Da Vinci or Galileo? Was there no one else? Lauren, and they wrote this on the day. Come on, you know this. You can Google someone. <laughs> they wrote this while they were waiting yeah. for Johnny Depp. <laughs> when, like, or it's like you didn't know that Louis Pasteur helped find penicillin just to help pirates get over scurvy. Like you didn't know. <laughs> or like the idea that that people weren't using the stars to navigate at sea for thousands of years before this is again like, not we're supposed to take sea. away but for god's sakes what else are they using out there um excuse me we only navigate based on this compass that Jack's points compass. where we want to go <laughs> i just imagine dead galileo in whatever afterworld he ended up in just like waiting and watching the world until this person's like no Galileo's diary. It's going to show me Poseidon's trident. And he's like, thank you. Finally. <laughs> Someone says it. Okay, while we're on Poseidon's trident, I, if, if I may, I, I have a few things to say about this trident and Please all do. this. Okay, Please so do. the trident in this movie is MacGuffin. Your listeners are very smart. They know what a MacGuffin is. It's the briefcase full of money in a Coen Brothers movie. It's the, the Sith Maltese Falcon. The Rise of Skywalker. It's Precisely. the... Yeah, yeah, it's the Maltese Falcon and the Maltese Falcon. It's the thing that we're all going after, right? Um, So there are ways that you can actually help an audience care about the MacGuffin, even though, you know, Hitchcock sort of says you don't have to care, but the audience actually does have to care because why else are are we invested? And um, this movie does none of them, right? Okay, (laughs) so I'm going to use an example of a movie that does this perfectly, and it's kind of like the best idea of what, Dead Men Tell and Teal's wish it, wishes it was, which is uh, Indiana Jones and uh, The Last Crusade, right? So, one, you start with something that people already care about, like a briefcase full of money or the actual Holy Grail. Easy. I'm already in. This Trident of Poseidon, I don't know what it is. I don't know anything about it. Do not care. Two, you but can it use... can save his dad! Okay, yeah, I'm going to get to this. I'm going to get this. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're honest in the here. Okay, so the <laughs> other thing you can do... The other thing you can do is you can use very simple filmmaking techniques to show us how important it is, right? So in uh, Last Crusade, every time they talk about the grail, everything slows down. You get the same like, like the music is really important. It gets really, really sacred. Like we see all the pictures of like the grail doing shit in in Raiders of Lost Ark. We we see the the arc like making holes through mountains to think about jaws when he's flipping through the <laughs> sharks in that book like all these really simple things we don't ever know what this trident looks like nothing to help us out and like the big thing here right is that you can actually make the characters care about the object not because they need to object to do something else right like mm-hmm. it's not just a means to an end it can be an end in itself right so like henry jones it's his whole life obsession to get this grail. Just looking at it and holding it means something to him. Therefore, it means something to us. And then Indy, he's felt like his dad has only loved this grail, not him. That gives him a complicated relationship with another character about the object itself. Not about what they're going to do with the object. The only people in that movie who care about what they're going to do with the object are the Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or, or the rug in Lebowski really ties the room together. You know what I'm saying? Like, the the object can actually have value for itself. And in this movie, we don't know anything about the trident. We don't know what it looks like. They don't help us out by telling us anything about it. And mm-hmm. the characters only need it to do something else. And there are four different MacGuffins. There's, like, Salazar needs the compass. 
There's the diary, but the diary also has the jewel that goes in the diary, and they need the diary to read the stars so they can get the trident. Like, if it's just... Galileo was looking for the trident, then how did he get the ruby from where the trident is? Why don't they all just be looking for the trident? Like, I didn't go to film school, and all of these guys did. It's just, it's it's screenwriting malpractice, and I'm... I cannot believe. And there's the threat of difficult. something interesting in it because if he, if Henry is trying to get this to to be able to live a life where his dad's a part of his life, which is very similar to the fucking deal in Indiana Jones, like why not lean into that? It may have just been because they couldn't get Orlando Bloom, but I think you can imbue that with like this sense of this kid who's grown out, grown up without a dad, this like mm-hmm. absentee father, and like I want to get this this thing so that I can have my dad back in my life, but also I have the doubt of, like, does my dad even want that? Because he has this job where he gets to be free and he gets to live on the seas and maybe he loves that more than he loves me. And, like, will I will I be the type of person and the type of man that he's proud of when he meets me? You know? That, like, I have to have an adventure of my own like my dad had before my dad can love me. Exactly. And there's something really interesting yeah. in that, but we, the movie doesn't have time for it. And Karina's looking for the same thing, so, like, why not explore that and let them they share never that, talk like, about we're it. both looking for our dads here. And, like, why does her thing have to be so complicated? Again, it's like, I need this trident because I can find my father. And then they can so share that and grow with it. Baffling and baffling it. when yeah. characters who are, like, the main characters are basically on the same arc the same quest have the same questions about themselves and the same things they're trying to resolve within themselves and just never fucking talk about it they're like Can oh I- that might be something they want to talk about like it's again i don't want to talk about star wars too much but in rise of skywalker uh-huh. the fact that there are two characters who are best friends with each other who both have grown up and had no last names and no family identity where the whole movie is about finding what your family is and their two best friends that only have first names and never fucking talk about what that means to them is baffling to me. It's absolutely. And and I think one of the things in, in this particular movie, like we, we will all agree, Sam, you especially as a lover of all naval cinema, one of the best things about boat movies is that eventually you find a heading and then you can just sit on the boat for days and talk. Like, those are the best parts about the boat movies. Some of the best like, parts of Pirates 1. Absolutely. And the fact that we have Will Turner, st- a- a- er, sorry, Henry Turner, ends the prologue of the film being like, hey, there is one person in the universe that had adventures with my father who I miss, and he's the only one that knows anything about the true person my dad was. And that's Jack Sparrow, credit scene. And he finds Jack and has all his time on the boat, Never asks him a fucking thing. The, you know the only like, thing that's ever mentioned between the two of them is your mom's still hot. Yeah, like literally the 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 line. So what was my father really like? Is so cliche that it's not in this film. Like ask right. him about Will Turner the pirate. What are you fucking I, doing? I think what I'm hearing from Sam, <laughs> and I, I just want to echo it back. Is that if this movie had just been directed by Steven Spielberg, <laughs> it would have been good? It would it would have been better. <laughs> would have I been mean, better. based on the track record of Spielberg and apparently the screenwriter, yeah. Well, this could have been the next this could have been the terminal at sea. But yeah, but no. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you are you are completely right. Uh, thank you for that. That was a great explanation. I love that, yeah. Um, Sorry, I yeah. got a little Couldn't excited. Couldn't agree more. 
Couldn't agree more. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Because at the end of the day, what this turns into... Because uh, for me, when I watch a lot of these movies, and, and I do watch a lot of these big-budget summer blockbuster movies... You know, because I also love... There's a big part of me that for every Paul Thomas Anderson movie I love to watch, I love to watch a shitty Sherlock Holmes sequel. Or, like, a shitty, like, you know, Gods of Egypt or something shitty. dumb. Shitty, speak for yourself. Just to, fun as shit. Just to kind of, like, cleanse the palate. Whatever, like, Sam, I see your fucking face over the Zoom call. <laughs> um, Don't judge me. But I think the, yeah, the we big We share a Prime account, I, Sam. I'm gonna fucking dive after this episode and find your shit. <laughs> Do it. I dare Sam, you. Sam, I know you like trash just like the rest of us. You're not better than me. My God. Sam watched the episode of Death on the Nile from the Poirot series seven times. Um, no, but it's I. It's a great episode. It has Emily Blunt in it. She's amazing. I, I think the big thing for it's me really that series. I find with, with these big budget movies is when you don't take the time to. Like the thing that separates it from like high blockbuster art to low schlock is literally just the endowment of that MacGuffin because all it just turned, uh, if you don't endow it with something meaningful to the character and thus to the audience, it just turns into a fetch quest and we're just doing a video game. And if it's a video game, I, as someone who does not play video games, do not give a fuck. So I'm watching it the same way I watch pirates four and the same way I watch, you know, my, one of my favorite unironic favorite franchises in the world, as we've talked about on this podcast before is the fast and the furious franchise. The thing that separates those latter movies from those earlier movies is that the latter movies takes time to endow those stupid MacGuffins with a lot of, uh, interior mythology so that I do care. And I care about what it means to... I care about what, like, the God's Eye machine that Ramsey made means to the world and means to these characters. I don't give... Like we like we said, I don't know what this trident does. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it's going to do. We All we know is that it breaks all curses. But this whole franchise has such a loose definition of what a curse is and what is not right. a curse... That there's no conversation, like, it just turns into, okay, well, we need the trident to break the curses, right? Sound good, sound good, sound good. Well, there's there's no what reason, curse is Jack doing? There's yeah, no exactly. one who's there there's who's no like, yeah, Go who's ahead. like, the, the one thing that the third movie does do kind of well, when it's like, we gotta free this fucking sea goddess from the body of Naomi Harris and remove a good actor from our franchise, it's like, well, what we what it basically turns into in that movie is somebody then going, or... We don't because of all of these other good reasons. Right. We have and no it, one saying, well, maybe we don't want to break the curses because if we break the curses, what's to stop Blackbeard from coming back? If we break right. the curses, what's to stop the Flying Dutchman from wreaking havoc on these places? Like, we've only, like, Jack, like Jack who is in prime position to again be the naysayer and kind of be like the one logical one to kind of be like, or. We don't do this so that I can keep living my life without having to pay for pay for my conse the consequence of my actions because I fucked over everybody on the seven seas and their mom. Like maybe we don't find the trident, so we get we get nothing. And Jack again saw, is there for no reason but to do this stupid Bugs Bunny bullshit that he's been doing for four fucking movies and apparently for again folks 60 years he is a 60 year old man who looks like an animatronic come to life and it's baffling because you also have the moment of like okay if Jack isn't just gonna get the trident then 
then his place in the movie is to be the captain of a ship for the people that do. He is like he is essentially an Uber driver towards magic. Fine. <laughs> if you're if you're gonna do that, you have him and Gibbs are like the two people that have been in all the movies, right? Jack is sixty years old canonically. Gibbs even says we found our horizon. Like you don't have Gibbs like the should what should be dead. Dude, just FYI. He that should. man is dead of old age. But even if he's if you're going to have them live, you got to have the one last ride storyline. Like, listen, we got the pearl out. Like, Jack put more love into that last shot of Pirates 1 where he just rubs the wheel and feels the wood. Like, get the pearl back and be like, you know what, Gibbs, you and me, it's the next generation now. They're going on an adventure. One last ride. Let's go. Like, you can have that. Have them no. literally riding off and handing off the torch or the trident to the next generation. Five movies in, Jack Sparrow's whole plot in this movie is the plot of Austin Powers 2. He lost his mojo, and he just needs to get it back. God. So Jack Fuck Sparrow that. gets caught. He's about to be killed. They're like, well, how do you want to get killed? And he's like, guillotine. We talked about this before. It's the best visual joke in this movie, and honestly, yep. maybe in the last three or four movies. It's where. Great. Very the guillotine fun. is spinning around upside down because it gets knocked over by horses or something. I think it's probably the best thing since the wheel fight. Yeah. And into. Yeah. The the blade keeps getting very close to Jack's neck, and then because of centrifugal force, we'll go right back to the top. Of no, I'm the sorry, I don't mean to stop you, but <laughs> centrifugal force would prevent it from getting close to him at all. It would keep it at the exterior oh, you're right, you're of right, the you're circle. Right. If we ignore centrifugal force it then has the power to slide down, but, you know, go on. No, please, thank you. I'm glad your maritime law covers physics. Um, uh, yes, yes, no, uh, uh, so that's, it's a funny joke because it happens twice. The first time, the joke is funny. The second time, genuinely, Johnny Depp's reaction to, like, is this still happening is funny. <laughs> Um, I just want to point out we skipped over the Paul McCartney cameo. Okay, um, we weren't going to skip over it. There's no way we could talk about this movie without <laughs> talking about that. I want to see if you... There's specifically something in this scene, Sam, that I want to know if you picked up on. I couldn't understand anything anybody was saying, so I actually have no idea what happened. You gotta just know subtitles, that he, baby! Yeah, I know you're into it. He's like, I know Keith did one of the movies. I think I'd like to do one too, right? Yes, I had to Google who it was Jackie. because I couldn't understand what he was doing, what he was saying. Like I, I'm like, that's someone. This is a stupid enough scene with no relevance that it's a celebrity, and it was. Oh, and you I'm didn't, like, Paul? What the fuck, man? The cute one, yeah. And like, there's no, there's no reason for it. Like, there's no. It doesn't serve any. It could no. easily be cut out. Nothing yep. would happen. It's just there for a cheap, cheap thrill, and that's like the worst thing you can put in a movie. It's the Ed Sheeran so singing in Game of Thrones. That's what it is. Yeah. If you he say does, so. He does a <laughs> joke. He tells Jack a joke about a skeleton going to a bar and ordering a beer and saying, can I get a beer and a mop? And that's the joke. Uh, did you catch where this joke is from, Sam? I've heard that joke before, but I don't know. I don't know what the... Do you do you remember where you may have heard the joke from? I heard it from someone like in high school, I think. That's why. Uh, this is the same joke that Al Pacino tells Johnny Depp in Donnie Brasco. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> Which is why Johnny Depp says, I think I've heard this one before. That's so awful. That's because like, why this are you movie, movie loves sucking Jack Sparrow's dick just as much as Jack Sparrow does. Is that the only so. time Johnny Depp had fun in this movie was having that idea? I'm sure. 
I will say the only part of that joke that I enjoyed was the man, the sound effect of the one dude laughing in the distance <laughs> of the joke. That was fun. I liked that. Yeah. That tickled me. <laughs> and I'm very pro Paul, so I'm like, you know what? He probably had such a fun day. He hasn't been in a movie since like what? Hard Day's Night. So he's like, yeah, great. This is fun. He seemed like he was having a good time. Yeah. I'm glad someone was. So then, uh, should we talk about how Barbosa gets introduced in this movie? Yeah. Blinged out, like pimp my trash. ride, Barbosa. Can we just talk about, yeah, so there are two scenes where he finds out that Salazar's back, or whatever, awake, and trying to kill people, <laughs> right? So he's sitting sure. there. Alive, could, or back in the whatever. dimension, or uh The compass undead. broke his prison open because it was on a bar stool, whatever. <laughs> and and he's sitting he's sitting on uh, in his ship and there's music or whatever but like the important thing i want to point out here is that he's sitting there two people come in they tell him what's happening we the audience already know what's happening two people just tell him what's happening he then leaves finds another character who may be important in the rest of the series but i've never seen before i don't care and he goes really and she tells it to him again so we the audience are hearing this information for the third time we already know it like it is the. Is this the witch character? Can, yes. Like, oh, because we have to get one more lady in this film. It's just like she it's does like, we, nothing. It's it's no. telling, not showing, which is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do in any dramatic storytelling. Like, how difficult would it have been for him to be like out on the seas, seeing Salazar destroy a ship, and going, "I better find Jack Sparrow," and moving on with it? Like, yeah. Why do we have this? this like, this just talking, just talking. It's because so these dumb. two. These two Rosencrantz and Guildenstern fucks are from the first movie. They were members of the British Royal Navy, and now they're pirates. They legit are uh, like the extras the that got given lines in one scene because they were fun on the day and they were very nice to the staff. And then they got pirates money for like three films. Bless their hearts. I mean, I, they're uh, as an actor, good for these guys. Yeah. Like honestly, <laughs> right. that's great. But for the they structure, paid you're for absolutely a really right. nice vacation somewhere. Yeah, um, but. For the rest of this movie, it makes no goddamn sense. And again, we are taking one of the literally the only actress of color in this movie and turning her into a witch. Uh, and they not are not just legit a witch. Two for two. Not just <laughs> or a witch. Two for three. A witch that drinks slime from Nickelodeon and then kills rats for fun. Like she does less than nothing in this movie. There are three women in this movie. Her lines. and David Wenham are a part of a three-hour cut of this film that I will never, ever want to see. What? But it no. makes no sense that they're even in this film because it, they just they, they don't add anything to it. They don't add a level of, like, of, of intrigue. They don't add a level of, of, like, exotic tension or anything like they were trying to do with Naomi Harris in the second and third movie. Like... It literally just feels like we are retreading the same exact tropes, but to lesser and lesser degrees of success because it's the the way those tropes were made the first time was with zero actual like ingenuity and heart. They were just made as tropes. So now we're just retreading shit that was already hollow. Yeah, I mean, we have Pirates of the Caribbean without any people actually from the caribbean yeah. and, right i mean i know we're not the maybe the people like dig into all of this but it's it's a you know no sam we are yes <laughs> we are absolutely here. not <laughs> um right but it's just like could you could you put it's all the colonizers and you couldn't put 
anybody that's being colonized in these movies without going ooga booga booga booga. It's <laughs> I can't. yeah, it's 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 rough. It's a rough day at the office. Really irresponsible. Yeah. yeah. Um. So my favorite thing about Barbosa, again, uh, it's played by Jeffrey ju- Rush. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's just that he is. <sighs> the best thing about this series. He continues. He, he honestly, I was a listener. As you remember in four, I was not a fan of our boy Barbosa. Uh, partially because his makeup was being done by pieing him in the face with a coconut custard. (laughs) It was horrific. (laughs) This movie, we got back to Barbosa. We're still not the, the the original trilogy. Barbosa is badass pirate King. Love him. This is, I still don't love the peg leg thing. I don't love his stuff. But Jeffrey Rush is in every scene he's in, which is more than we can say for literally everyone else. <laughs> like, he is talking to scene partners. He is giving intrigue. He believes in the magic of the world. And I got to say, when we get to the to the twist at the end of the movie involving him, I think it actually works because he's, of him. God like, bless him. He is trying he's to trying. do this movie he gives emotional it. core. He gives it, it emotion. It's too little too late. He's too. It's too little, too late for the movie, but he's he's the only one trying something. Hot take. I don't mind care. the last half hour of the film. That's yeah, my thing. We can Once probably we get to that stuff. I like th- him. Is there a lot in between here and now that we have to talk about? Well, we have to talk about. Now we're at the point where Captain Salazar boards uh, Jeffrey Rush's ship. We gotta and, get that flashback, baby. Yep. And well, oh, there's okay. God. Well, there's one sword. Oh, there's a sword thing here. I wanted to talk to <laughs> Sam and Eric about because you're two swordsmen. Um, yeah. And it's the way that Javier Bardem holds his sword. Um, and he holds his sword, apparently. I thought this was kind of cool. I read about this in the trivia. Um, but he holds his sword like a matador would because his character is called El Matador de la Mar. So he took oh, that as a way of cool. being like, great, he probably would... Apparently, Javier Bardem, because he's a mensch and because he's a great actor, just like steeped himself in... Spanish Navy research and like all and like took swords classes and like really like tried his best to be as prepared for this movie as humanly possible just for them to be like, Ooh, I get it. But like, what if your sword was a crutch? Like, and they're like <laughs> fucking fine. Like, I don't We're have a scabbard. CGI no, out. I just have to use this as a fucking crutch. Cool. Fuck me. I guess like, like literally his crew is like, all right, we got green paint, uh, your face, your waist, your leg, your elbow, uh, I don't know, your neck? Like, it's just, we're gonna, we're gonna disappear random body parts, and that's your crew! Fucking yeah. stupid. This is by far my least favorite design of any of the crews of the undead. Yeah. I can't well, even very remember much... the design of the last one. Was there any design? Last one, they had, like, the big zombie, like, Dave Bautista-looking guys who were, like, just, they all looked like Bane from Batman and Robin. I don't know. I still thought there was more there than there. I than think here. the yeah. design on paper probably looked really cool for this movie. Like, I like. I think if I saw like, and again, I drawing. Keep, I keep coming back to like, if it was a book and there was illustrations, I would think the illustrations look super cool. Um, but in action, they don't look that it, great. No. It feels to me very much, you know, and you guys know how I generally feel about franchises and sequels, <laughs> and it's not really my jam. But it, to me, like, that's such a big problem with this is that like the first movie. They're skeletons. And then we mm-hmm. keep having to make it bigger and more extreme and more extreme. And now they're yeah. basically just skeletons again, but even less is there. You yeah. know, yeah. like it's it's both like just heightening it and being so yeah. unimaginative. It's like, say, taking a Death Star and making it a planet is like, well, 
Oh, Very well, inspired. if the planet is Ilios, the planet where the Jedi actually went to, when they were Padawans to get their anyway. crystals, it's endowed with the Force, and that <laughs> makes it cool. But hypothetically, yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. That being said, the effects got 14 years newer, got 100 millions of dollars more expensive, and look 80,000 times worse yeah. than the first movie. The first movie still looks the best. Yes, because when you put things on a budget, then you have to find creative ways to work within that budget. And when you give things an unlimited budget, then there's literally no limit. And so there's no sort of container to put something in. Like genuinely, I'm like the worst thing that happened for these movies and for all sequels, like you're saying, Sam, is that they have to get bigger and they have to. And, and so the companies will just fucking flood the bank accounts with whatever you want. And so when there's no cap and there's no container to try and be creative within, no creativity happens. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because there's no yep. bar to reach. Um, great. The, the reason I bring this up is because we have to, uh, we have to go back in time to unlock Salazar's tragic backstory. Uh, um, we, we, yeah. So Salazar, yeah. contrary to what you think, was not a pirate. He was the head of the Spanish Navy. Yeah. And he was darn good at it, too. And he, uh, <laughs> he, was, he was a pirate killer, you know? And eventually, uh, like, just fucking, just, like, truly, like, decimating ships on the high seas at an alarming rate. He was, like, ridding the ocean of, again, like we've said on all four of these episodes, the terrorists of the sea. He was ridding the sea of the terrorists of the sea. He was a good guy, but... Except for maybe all the pirate lords that were on the council that may also have been alive at the time, but see... Uh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm trying to bring continuity into this franchise. That's fucking stupid. You're right, go ahead. It'd be silly to do that, Eric, because if the pirate council was a thing, then wouldn't they have been alerted to the fact that this great pirate killer was back from the dead? Yeah, that would have... Yeah, yep, you're right. So they couldn't have been a thing. No way. No, it couldn't it have. It couldn't have been a thing because this whole franchise is about moment-to-moment -moment gratification and right. cares not an iota about continuity. No, 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 no. Um, but uh, the, so this. I mean, the Flying Dutchman is ostensibly about bringing souls to the afterlife, and you got a whole ship full of souls that are just chilling in our world. You think that they might need a ship to just take them to the afterlife? Constantly, Salazar's crew. I just feel like this is exactly what Will should be taking care of, and he's mm. just not taking care of it, which may be why his face is covered in barnacles. Yeah, Salazar's crew is going fucking ham all over the present timeline of this movie. You'd think that Will was cleaning up, and that at one point he'd be like, sweet, can't wait to shepherd these 9,000 souls over to Davy Jones. Oh, wait, is that my son? And then maybe we get a scene, but you know, yeah, that guys, would he, be ridiculous. He could be like Michael Keaton at the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming, where he's just like the disaster relief that Stark hires to like help with all the disasters. He's like, oh my gosh, look at all these dead bodies. Yeah, Michael oh Keaton, uh, Sam, plays the character of uh, the Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, it's ironic for many reasons, one of which is that he played a character who played a character named Birdman in the movie Birdman. I watched um, that one, yeah. You yeah, may yeah, also yeah, know yeah. him as uh, the titular character in Jack Frost. <laughs> he was in a multiplicity. <laughs> anyway, Jack Sparrow is, is made of CGI. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get a young um, we, Jack Sparrow. We get an origin of Jack Sparrow's name, which we never needed. But and an origin of literally every piece of jewelry he wears, which was all given to him as tribute uh, because he pulled uh, one okay trick 
I liked by... it because it's like the Rudy jersey moment. That's it. I only like I like being reminded of Rudy. That's that's fine. Let me, uh, let me just. What? This is my only other nautical thing I'm going to bring up, and Please. I swear Please. this will be it. So the trick that Jack pulls is he throws the rope on the rock and he swings around so that Salazar sails by him, right? So many of you might know this, but all of the guns on most naval vessels are on the side. (laughs) So as you're sailing beside another ship, that's actually the best possible place you could be to destroy the other ship if you wanted to shoot it. And yet... Oscar-winning Javier Bardem just has to stare at Alita Battle Gilbert Grape and <laughs> as he swings this fucking compass. I mean, and it happens again. so hot. How it happens could you again not? in the final battle where the, like, the, the shark ship destroys the British ship and pulls up next to the Pearl and then decides to board them instead of shooting them and blowing them again, all to hell. I it's think just... this might be a similar uh, situation to the Beckett issue. Where Jack is just so irresistible to British naval men that they just can't even shoot at him. Yeah, this they're is just a, like, oh my god, look at that CGI boy. Yeah, like, okay, I, is I, that boy that has the body of a fifteen-year-old and the and the voice of a forty-five-year-old smoker looking at me? Ha! Huh, he's up there like a bird. I think I'll call him Sparrow. I can't. So I think that's the only yeah. thing that I'll say for the rest of this film is Jack Sparrow. You mean I can't Jack believe Sparrow. Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. 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 I, hate I hate it so Sparrow. much. Sparrow. I can't believe that they got the CGI ghost of Peter Cushing to play Johnny Depp in this yes. scene. It's really <laughs> incredible. It's wild. And the thing it's is, Star Wars They could have cast, like, <laughs> they just could have cast. I'm going to full stop. They <laughs> You know, you took a role away from a human actor by giving a CGI Johnny Depp, who didn't want to be there anyway. He Whose body was it? Is that the same guy that 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 played? That was the body double for Chris Evans in the first Captain America movie. Sam, it was you. <laughs> Sam Hubbard. <laughs> Sam Hubbard's like, I was available. Why didn't anyone call me? Uh, but I yeah. was doing a so, Zoom reading of a play. Damn. My favorite part about this whole flashback, though, is that they do. Salazar is the one telling the story of the flashback, but the flashback continues about five minutes after Salazar's dead. So he like Jack Sparrow keeps getting tribute and like gets the hat. You find out how he gets the hat. You find out how he gets like the whalebone. You find out about all of all of his fucking beard accoutrement. And and Salazar apparently just knows because he died. So now he has omniscient foresight. I don't, I don't know. understand. It's not from his point of view. Why are we hearing the fucking story? It doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I, I gotta say though, I will I, I will okay. stick up for the the accoutrement just because I am a sucker for like I why does he always love that hat so much? Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Why does he love that thing? And then you find out that the guy who doesn't actually care about anyone and is silly is holding on to like the last things he ever got from a crew that trusted in him. And that's like that's why he only wears that headband. That's why he only wears that hat. Like I I'm a sucker for that kind of symbolism. This movie doesn't earn it. But speaking to the mental gymnastics of earlier, I, I allowed myself to be emotionally affected by that somewhat. But were they the last crew that respected him? They were the first crew so. that respected him. We don't even him. really know who yes. they were. Ian, That's not the last crew. The last Truly, crew would be Gibbs. Who are they? No, they, didn't, they don't respect him. I think he likes it. I like, the emotional, <laughs> I like emotional stuff. Okay. I don't want to skip it. ahead, but I do want to be sure we talk about this wedding scene. 
Oh no, that's where we're oh, going next. Fuck. Oh fuck! I forgot about that shit till this okay, one moment. Okay, so Jack and everybody else they God they get it. pursued by Salazar. They get to land. They find out that Salazar can't go on land, which is a but huge he can walk shock on because water. it's the exact same thing that every other ghost ship has had for the last fucking five movies. So uh, Sam, why don't you talk us through this wedding? Oh gosh! So he's he's on the island after some uh. mechanical ghost sharks chase them also they wake up on the island there's someone who helps them but he's like you wronged me before now to make up for it you have to marry my sister his name is his sister yeah pig yeah and she's you know not a um not a traditional beauty um but and there's a whole ceremony i i'm watching this assuming it's a callback to some of the other movies that i haven't seen nope it's just out of someone's imagination someone thought this was funny and then barbosa yeah, <laughs> this was actually a deleted scene from from the rush hour three <laughs> yeah. um and then barbosa shows up and is like and jack's like help me get out of this and barbosa's like sure and he shoots the guy in the head which <laughs> barbosa is Dude, Barbosa is that friend you want. It's like, but there's dude, a, like, get up. We gotta go steal something. Where are we going? Like, be, there is something about the tone of the violence in this movie that I actually am really uncomfortable with. Like, it wants to be cartoony, but when you show a sword going through someone's body yep. that's not, and they make all the sounds be like really visceral and like, like a lot of uh, like it's liquid. The sound like it's really mm-hmm. realistic visually and audibly. But they want the tone to be cartoonish, and maybe I'm, I'm a you know one of those coastal snowflakes you read about. But like, <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable with like the way they just kill a lot of people off. There is a, a callous disregard for human life. Yeah, this yeah. one's got a got an unusually high body count. Like when they're they're Salazar yeah. is just fucking icing people on Barbosa's ship. Yeah, and it's like a scare tactic. But we've actually gotten to know some of these crew over the past couple movies, so it it is harsher than it would be if it was just kind of like, you know, yeah. callous, whatever, like cartoonish killing. It's, it's very so different it than like, yeah, not to bring it back, but like shooting Indiana Jones is like shooting up Nazis. Well, they're Nazis, you know. What That's I mean? always fine, and it's not. It's not yeah. not very often in like a very realistic way. Uh, but yeah, that that really is is made me uncomfortable. But I don't know where that wedding scene came from, man. That is yeah, this, I, it, I have it, a, it, ten times more offensive. So, sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I just I have a real problem. We've already talked about this with the depiction of women in the series. Like I I love Elizabeth Swan. I'll say it now. I'll say it a million times. But I think there is something to like it, that it becomes very apparent in this film that it's like there are such strict roles that women can fill in these movies. And that's pretty much all that, this, that these movies have room for. It's like governess. Have, like you have to be the astronomer. Feel, <laughs> you have to be like <laughs> a, a a white woman that is like I'm not like other girls. I'm a cool girl. I don't like dresses. Or you have to be a woman of color who is some form of witch, um, or supernatural yep. entity, um, or you are a hor- like a horribly ugly whore that we can make fun of because you're not hot. And, like, ultimately, your yeah. life doesn't matter, and you can either get, like, screwed over 
or you can get legitimately killed or la- and laughed at before that happens. And, like, that is the place we have in this story. Yeah, but And lo- it ultimately, like, on all counts, it seems like except for in one case, we are ultimately disposable. Yeah, well, Lauren, you know, Schoolhouse Rock always taught me three is a magic number, and that's how many different types of women are in this franchise. Yep. And I think that that's okay. Sorry, there can be another type of white woman, and it's mermaid. Oh, you're right. Fuck it. Four at this point. No, never mind. Yeah, you know what? I was wrong. There are also mermaids who breaks the logic. Um, kill a bunch of dudes except for the one girl who's not like other mermaids. Um, and kills another dude. Um, It's rough. No, it 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 really really is. Especially this this movie. I feel like is meaner about its sexism than the other ones, just because of like that's a great wedding scene, and then like yeah, it's it's not that it's kind. It's not a kind movie, frankly. Yeah, but then they they treat her meaner than and like Elizabeth. There are still jokes about Elizabeth, especially in the first film, about like them sexualizing her. But ultimately, like that's never like the point of a scene. And it felt like so much in this movie, Karina was like the whole point of like the comedic aspect of the scene was like, it's a girl. We want to bang her. Yeah. And like that's that's the entire point (laughs) of the scene. And so there's so much disrespect towards her. Or She's never taken nearly as seriously as Elizabeth. Like, because for all that Elizabeth was put through, there was still the ultimate payoff where, like, she was respected. And she held power. Like, I mean, generally, like, jokes aside, like, about her being the Pirate King, like, she held a lot of power in that original trilogy. Like, even from the first film, and she was competent, and people came to... And there was a journey towards people realizing her competence... And there's no moment in this film where anyone other than Brenton Thwaites, who wants to bang her, gains any type of respect for her. No. Yeah, and He's no. just a big, dumb baby the who, only like, people none that, of it... Yeah. The only people that end up caring about her are Brenton Thwaites, who ends up kissing her at the end, and Barbosa, who ends up being her dad. So is a blood relation to her. Yeah. Everyone Jack, else Jack completely Sparrow, dismisses her and, like, Jack Sparrow has zero respect for her. The rest yeah. of that crew have zero respect for her. There are ways to address that women are fighting an uphill battle without that being the entire point of their character. I guess that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Where it's like, Elizabeth does face hurdles in, like, being a woman in that time period, but that is ultimately not what is at the core of her character or her journey or her obstacles. And she also and wins the scenes like, she's in. Like, she's yeah. the victor of their stupidity, and she takes her sexism as a way to, like, twist it on them and always come out on top. Whereas yeah, this and movie, instead, Karina, it's just like every scene she's in, it's like the obstacle is sexism. Well, or it's written in such a simplistic way that it's like she wins the scene because she's written to win the scene, not because her, not because the character has to actually overcome something. She sure. won the scene before the scene even began. Because she has the information. Yeah. Yep. So it's never, it's, she never has to overcome anything because she's already in possession of the skill set needed to to succeed which is why the one thing i kind of like about this wedding scene even though i don't think it's a, a good scene the, but the one thing i like leading into it is it's it's mm-hmm. well it's like when they're they're being chased by salazar and his crew and the one when she gets out and, and yeah the one bit of like naysaying we get from karina is she's like i'm a person of science i'm a scientist as she says every other line um but she doesn't believe in supernatural shit and so I do like that when supernatural shit appears in the movie, she gets really freaked out. That's a and great she like moment. runs screaming into the jungle. <laughs> she's like, holy shit, ghosts, ghosts, ghosts. <laughs> and it's like, that's 
that's a funny moment that pays off because of the way your character has been written. And it's not yep. because she's a woman. And it's not because she's a yes. woman. It's it's because she is an objective scientific analytical person. So right. of course they wouldn't believe in the supernatural. And so like what's his face from Pacific Rim would do the same thing the first time he saw the kaiju. He'd be like, yeah. Oh no. What's crazy to me is that none of the men in this movie that are like, What is science? I don't understand stars when she proves her prowess and her intelligence every single time over, none of them go, wow, maybe we should start investing in some of this here learning. No one, none of the men are changed by interacting with her, but she end, is changed by interacting with the ghost men. At the very end, they do. At the yeah, but very end of the film, they're like, we'll go by the stars, and then they throw the map out. Which, I have to ask again, what is on that map? <laughs> <laughs> I do gotta it's say, though, genuinely, what's on the map? Like, how are they telling where to go? I don't know. Like, like, it is, it is a part- use the stars. It is surprising that she doesn't have that moment. You're right, Lauren. Like, no, I'm thinking about this, and Ian, like, there's not that moment of her being like, we gotta fight them. Hurry, use this as a fulcrum. A full what? It's the thing that gives the and she like uses basic physics and science to like teach because that I feel like that's where it should go. Show you know, it's like don't that, tell. Show yeah. don't, don't, don't tell. tell. Show don't Dead men tell. show no tell. Yeah, tell. I know. <laughs> Can we also talk about the fact that like there's a title drop in this movie like not even ten minutes in and it's completely unearned? I mean, that's I love a this title movie. drop. I don't care what any movie. Give me a title drop. Unearned title drop. We need to get the Um, Pirates of the Caribbean at Tortuga. Ah, I said it. No Tortuga. Uh, So, yeah. So, then they're like, great. What's going to happen now? Jack gets stabbed. I'm just going to speed us through the end. Jack gets stabbed in the chest. Uh, uh, He gets stabbed briefly in the- There's a moment uh, where she says, wait, wake up. Jack's (laughs) getting killed. And it's like, why does he care? Oh, it's hilarious. Because she doesn't deliver it in a way of being like, oh, my God, we have to go help. She goes, wake up. Jack's getting killed. <laughs> and yeah. I as an audience You're member, I'm like, I'll stay asleep. But um, but they're like, oh, no. He the got... Willy Wonka thing of like, no, Jack's being killed. Stop. Help. Stop. Oh, no. Police. <laughs> um, so oh, it's the, raining out. Yeah, well, didn't you know that all you needed to, to get the Black Pearl to grow out of the ship was to fucking break the ship open? He's been walking around for five years with this thing in his goddamn pocket and never thought okay. to break it open. I thought it was because Barbosa had the sword of... Um, uh, Blackbeard? I was going to say Don, uh, Al Swearingen, yeah. Um, of Ian McShane. Wait, is that right? what that was? I think, I think they needed his oh, sword makes sense. in order to open the... That was never said in the past one. That makes sense, and I'll buy it, but that's dumb. Well, that's how the, the series to handles open your magic. Other MacGuffin to get to the <laughs> yeah. other MacGuffin. But ultimately, that guys, like the fourth MacGuffin. <coughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> if it helps, make, the only make, person make, that make, hates make, that more than us is Jack Sparrow, who you know, when the ship he loves more than anything gets put out in the sheets, he goes like, "Oh, hey, a boat!" Net fart. Like he doesn't actually care that it's there. He's like, oh, I could take that to get rum or some. Fuck all. Like, My favorite thing about this scene, though, or, or not about this, this is a fun piece of trivia I learned. So the, yes. the ship The Sunset was created. It was built as the Black Pearl ship. That's like what they filmed on. They built a real ship, and that ship was destroyed after again, again and again and again after multiple hurricanes. Then they rebuilt it again for the Black Pearl God for, was uh, trying movies to two stop and three. This. 
Yeah, it's like filming The Passion of the Christ, oh, right? Okay. So it's like, then they film, there's again, this thing got destroyed by a hurricane. It's then in exactly the fourth like movie, that. they're like, we are going to build the Queen Anne's Revenge on top of the Black Pearl as like an homage to the Black. So they built it on top of the sunset. Uh, then that got destroyed in the five years between the fourth movie coming out and beginning of production on this. And so they were just like, you know what? We're going to build a platform. We're going to build a mast and the rest is CGI. And so if you need to know the movie, the pirates of the Caribbean, which like the entire first movie is about getting back on this ship. That means the most to Johnny Depp. How beautifully metaphorical is it that in this last movie, it's all fake? That's perfect. I love it. You know what? Guys, wait, wait, wait. Johnny Depp played all of us. He was playing the honest intentions of the scene the whole time. Because he knows it's fake. Guys, look at us. Bunch of dum-dums. Thought it was supposed to be real. Can I ask why everyone in... The ending of franchises has to be related. It's hot. It's it's just, one of my biggest I, come on pet peeves in the world because we we talked about this before on episodes. We've talked about it a little bit on our Endgame episode. Uh, we've talked about it especially in in relation to Game of Thrones. Uh, like, but it's like at a certain point when the franchise begins, the thing that I think really sets fire to franchises and why they get they pick up steam and why people like them is because the world that that is built in this big fantasy epic or in this, you know, whatever is a stand in for aspects of our world. So we recognize things in it that relate to us the same way that game of Thrones was so attractive to us at the beginning, because it's like, Oh, this is just the wire, but set in like medieval times. So it's more about the the way the world works. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, but but it's about the way the world works and politics and like, backdoor deals and all this other stuff but by the end the mythology just gets so deep that it can't be about anything but itself yes and the only thing that can close that loop is another part that was created from within that loop you can't bring in something new out of like out of that world to close the loop because then it feels disingenuous even though by bringing in you know, kids of, of major characters like this movie does and like the Star Wars sequels do and, and mm-hmm. the, you know, Game of Thrones eventually does and, and all of these things do. It, it eventually, and Harry Potter and like all of them, all of them. It all feels a little less satisfying to me as an audience member because I realize, oh, this wasn't about me imprinting myself on any of these characters. This was always about you and you guys acting out something and me just watching you guys play. So yeah. it takes me out of the equation. I feel like I get taken out of the equation. The reason I think, and again, to, to beat a dead horse, that I think Marvel's successful with it because Marvel has never claimed to be anything but that. Marvel has been referencing itself since it only had two movies. So sure. they've sure. they were building it they were building a closed loop from the beginning. Uh, yeah, but also Marvel is still like is about legacy but is not necessarily always about like blood legacy. I think there is something about like the first like any type of movie starting with like there's new characters that we don't know and so therefore we can imprint ourselves upon them as you said because they're in like an everyman, they are a protagonist. And so, like, as you said, these universes want to keep going and want to feel continuous, so they they introduce the kids (coughs) in those stories as as the new protagonists. 
But by doing that, they exclude the, the initial person who is projecting themselves upon it. Because instead of looking at your protagonist and saying, oh, this is an everyman, I could be this person. It's then, oh, I can't, can't be this person because this person had to be the kid of this person. Yeah, you had, to be, you had to be related to, to matter. Exactly. Before, so, like, what the initial thing that made me love these characters is the thing that is, like, keeping me from imprinting upon the next generation of characters because I can't be that person. Mm -hmm. I do not have that lineage, therefore I am not that person. Therefore, it's less special and less personal to me. Yeah. Right, so which it's a, makes it, things... Yeah. Which makes things like Into the Spider-Verse such a big deal when they hit. Because yeah. Miles Morales is not related to Peter Parker. He is someone that sees this everyman be incredible and is inspired then to be incredible based on his own merits. Is um, the legacy yeah. of heroism rather than like the blood legacy of heroism. Sure. Which um, is the smartest thing we've ever said in this podcast. Yeah, and again, I think you Boom, can have like a will you can have a Will Turner type character. I don't have any problem about using the same sort of like like, protagonists, the same sort of tropes. I have no problem with Jack at some point meeting someone who reminds him of Will in this, like, later point of his life when, yeah. like, he, when his kind of career is maybe coming to an end and meeting this person who reminds him of, like, the glory days and, like, tries to help this kid create his own legacy. I don't have a problem with that, but I do think there's something to, like, oh, this kid feels only special because he's Will Sewell's kid and therefore we don't have to do any work on making him a person. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, all this being said, though, I will contradict it all by saying what I said earlier, that I do like the Barbosa lineage reveal. I think it's fun. Mainly <laughs> like, because it gives Barbosa something to do, though. Yeah, yeah I feel like if they, you didn't they, have they have that... Really nice if, moments. If they don't have the reveal that Karina is actually... Spoiler. If you don't have the reveal that Karina <laughs> is Barbosa's daughter, then there literally is no reason for Barbosa to be in this movie. There is more, and I will say this, like, despite the multiple tattoos on my body at this point... The Barbosa Karina relationship is way more impressive than the Ray Palpatine relationship. Like, it is done better because they actually have a moments where it means something and they have emotions. Yeah. yeah Which is I mean, unfortunate. And I don't like to say that because this wasn't. Sam, good. have you seen Rise of Skywalker yet or did you just get a huge reveal? You know, I, I watched it in quarantine and felt similar to it as I did to this for the most part. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, search for more money. <laughs> very expensive um, I, I i do think that that line that jeffrey rush had i was surprised to how moved i was when i don't mean to skipping treasure ahead. i was like no nah, that's kind of clever and then i thought about it i was like why would she say what are you to what am i to you and then like the tattoo in his arm and again i kept bringing brought back to like why wasn't why wasn't his, his whole life searching for the trident then this could all mean something yep yep, um, yep. they got close but, they, they, but, they, at the end they're like wait fuck makeup come here we got a we got a great idea we already shot the yeah. rest of the movie. Sorry, it doesn't matter. <laughs> credit, yeah. credit to Jeffrey Rush, though, for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. MVP I, of the movie. So when they, so let's just fast forward. They find their way to this little island. I, I do admittedly, um, I think this looks beautiful. I it's think the gorgeous. island with all it of really the rocks and the constellations yeah. on it gorgeous. is a, it's very a very pretty. beautiful visual. I, I really like this payoff. I think it works really well. Yep. I they, agree. But you know. They put the jewel on, on like, the last little constellation mark, and then, oopsie-daisy, wouldn't you know it, they part the Red Sea Moses-style, and now they've found the, uh, the Poseidon uh, trident. And, uh, yeah, and then they have this big old fight, as you're wanting where, where apparently Salazar can possess people, allowing him to walk on land. Where, would, why, That why? would have been a little helpful before. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? I, you know what, whatever. whatever. 
in the third of these movies, after they're like, oh, Davy Jones can't step foot on land. That's why we have to keep his heart on land. They have a whole meeting on land, but Davy Jones is standing in a bucket. And you're like, well, if he could have done this, then why didn't, why wasn't this just a thing? That's exactly what this moment was. But they just didn't wait to reveal it until the movie after. They're just kind of like, oh, we'll just throw this in, I guess. He can possess Henry. Henry Woof. has a fight. It's dumb. It's so dumb. Uh, but then they're like, oh, I guess in order to... I guess we're going to break the trident. I Because that's the thing. is They're like, we need to get the trident. Nobody knows what they're going to do with it. Nobody knows how they're going to use it. Nobody knows what, what they can do. With, like, there's literally so little knowledge. People mm-hmm. died to get this trident. To do what? And y'all don't even know why you need it. Yeah. So They just broke it. Because, like, the movie was... It's time for the movie to be over. Yeah. So they break it, and Salazar turns back into a human. Yep. And, and you know what? He looks plenty scary enough. Would have been fine. <laughs> It's nuts that this actor, who is highly, highly applauded and decorated and has won an Oscar, can pull off a lot without makeup. Like, just have him be a Spanish pirate that's trying to take over the seas away from the regular pirates. That's it. Done. Movie's over. I just find it so... it's, It's insulting to Javier Bardem. He is bone chilling. In his monologue, he gets in Skyfall, where he That's talks the about the rats eating yeah. each other. Yeah. It is one of my favorite scenes so in any good. James Bond film. That movie is great. incredible in that movie. And yet, and, and he gets one moment of kind of CGI makeup, right? Am I remembering that yes. incorrectly? Yeah. One minute. At one moment end. when, like, yeah. the gas thing, like, doesn't work and he's, like, it reveals him to have, like, a, you know, sallowed face or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's all you need. Yep, and it would be so interesting that in the final pirates movie, like they were, they were positioning this to be the last movie in this franchise. That instead of going bigger and spookier and more ghoulish, they returned to form and did something a little bit more grounded, and that relied on what the first movie did, which was practical set pieces, good choreography, and acting. And this Dude, movie they needed, relies on none nah, of that. Come on, no. no they, needed, they needed Charmin Ultra. That's true. Less is more. Um, shout out Barbosa. Um, Charmin. Yeah, go ahead with the, with the Barbosa. No, 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 no you were saying shout thing. out. No, I just want to shout out to when Barbosa writes. So what happens is he realizes they, they have the reveal. Uh, Karina realizes Barbosa is her father. They have a touching moment. Sil- uh, what is it? Salazar's. <laughs> Silva. Uh, Salazar, <laughs> Silva Salazar. Climb, yeah. Climbing up the anchor to get them. He realizes Barbosa realizes he has to sacrifice himself. And it's a total rip off. You all, you, again, your listeners are, are very, very well watched. They'll recognize this as a real homage to the 2000 film by uh, Martin Campbell, Vertical Limits, starring Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> where Barbosa has to sacrifice himself, cutting the rope jumping down with a sword to kill and I, I was I was really touched because that was a really formative film for me vertical <laughs> Stay was tuned. to all of you <laughs> for that uh, Chris I, O'Donnell classic <laughs> I was also going to say for all my friends uh, you know our listeners as you said Sam very well watched well read well played I would say um, if you're a fan of the uh, the Super Smash Brothers franchise, it's also the down A the, attack down a of Link. Link. Yeah, totally. <laughs> there you go. So you I was very touched by that artistic homage to the down A. 
Yeah, that's exactly what uh, Jakob's Razor and Espen Sandberg were doing when they when they made this movie. Um, that was the name of the Trident, wasn't it? The Jakob's Razor. I'm gonna keep making that joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they break it. So all the curses are lifted. Uh, which then leads us to... Even the good ones, probably. Like, the world must have plunged into chaos. Do you know how many <laughs> magical curses there probably are in this world? <laughs> if, if, like, if Calypso ghosts. hadn't chaos. have been released before, chaos. Calypso would have been released. Oh, my God. The sea all would the be a giant just toilet. Appear. The Kraken's back. Like, what if all these curses also, just... <laughs> 1,000% this was not developed as the last film in the series. Well, no. here's the thing. Which we all watched what? that stinger scene. Here's the thing. This movie was being made to be the last film in the series. Uh, up until release, this was the last film in the series. Then, when it tested pretty positively among audiences... Of nursery schoolers? <laughs> <laughs> well, they tested it a lot in the, in the countries that they were filming in. Uh, Donald Trump is president. We get it. Yeah. Go on. But they, uh, where they were, they where they were testing it. It tested positively, and it was pretty much like, "Would you be interested in seeing a sixth movie?" And people were like, "Fuck yeah!" Especially with these new kids, this is great. Put them up at babies back in a movie, and they were like, "Okay, cool." So then they took out a lot of stuff. So this, this movie was about one? this movie was about fifteen Wait. minutes longer. So this movie could have had an actual emotional arc, and they took it out. Took it out so that they could have. Uh, Fuck they could have squeakles. Release the that. Snyderson cut. Um. So yeah. Fuck. So, yeah. Yeah. So totally. we're gonna. So let's talk about the very last scene uh, where they go to the island. Uh, Henry is like, guess what? I I guess I love you now. She slaps him. He's very far away for the slap. And yeah, then they're like, shots that don't make any sense. He goes right up to her face for the kiss. It cuts to a wide shot where she slaps him from arm length away, and then it cuts back to the close shot where they're face to face. It is plus, ridiculous. I hated it. Henry uh, or, or Will Turner shows back up, and he's like, "Son, you did it. I could feel it." And he's like, "Okay, cool, Dad. Guess Mom's gonna come." Okay, couple things here. She comes out of the woods. Her house. Is to the left. Ian, she Ian, walks out Ian, of the so fucking woods. I have so much problem. Not even out of the woods, out of the jungle. On a completely <clears throat> uninhabited island. She's wearing a corset. She's wearing a fucking corset. She has full... She looks like she's about to go to a ball. She has, like, earrings on. She has full jewelry on. She has make full face of makeup on. Who's she on. dressing for? Who's she dressing up for? And where is she coming from? There's a road. There's a road on the ground. She's coming She's from the set the of the Russian period piece film she was doing on the side of the lot. And then they said, hey, we have a million dollars in a bag. Do you have ten minutes? Yes, they do Elizabeth She's like, so yeah. fucking dirty in this film. Why is she wearing a fucking corset when there's no one around? Yep. And that's it. That's the Pirates of the Caribbean. Fuck this. And then there's uh, a stinger scene where they're like Davy Jones, though. And then they Yeah, because it. Davy Jones's curse was lifted. So now Davy Jones is back. That's the so whole idea. But the, he's the still got a ab- claw hand. About the stinger is that after he thinks it's a dream, he goes over to her, Will, Orlando Bloom, in bed. And he, like, touches her. And instead of snuggling to be next to her on top of her, he lifts her up so she's sleeping on her side. I would get slapped if I did that. Like, he picks her up, and he doesn't say, honey, I'm going to come to you. He picks her up and twists her so she can lay in a different position to be closer to him. 
bad form is all I'm saying. Not I've never cool. seen anything like it. <laughs> they're, they're clearly sleeping in a he twin. I think that's the issue. Years. Like they need a also, bigger bed. <laughs> Elizabeth Swan definitely sleeps with a fucking knife under her pillow. She will stab you Entirely. if you try to pull that shit. We need to remind you, she's a pirate king. She's the the pirate king. <laughs> the pirate king. Uh, the elected pirate king. The democratically elected pirate king. All right, that's uh, that's pretty much it. The only other uh, little pieces of information I have. Uh, Hans Zimmer uh, said no to doing the score for this movie. Uh, it is the only movie in this franchise he did not work on the score for because he wanted to work on Dunkirk. Smart so move. I'm sorry. He, he did not work on any of the scores of this movie. He sped up Gladiator and collected a paycheck. Smart move. Uh, I love the score for this, though. I like that sped up Gladiator. Um, like we said, Johnny Depp was going through a very public divorce through most of this filming, uh, and so his attentions were elsewhere. Um, and let's see, what else do I have? Oh, other people that were supposed to direct this movie. This is fucking insane. Tim Burton, Alfonso Cuaron. That would have been great! Sean Levy, Sam Raimi, and Chris Weitz were all in line to direct this movie, and all of them bowed out. Alfonso Cuarón would have been really. Cool. I just want Cuarón. Yeah. I want yeah, this. I'm, I'm happy I'm, for his career, though. You know, like I, I want yeah, the yeah. Sam Raimi Pirates of the Caribbean. He's just schlocky enough to do this franchise yeah. well. That's um, fair. Future. Great. Let's play the budget game. What do we think the budget of this Pirates of the Caribbean was? Remember, the last one was four hundred and ten million dollars, making it the highest budgeted movie of all time. <laughs> it was what? It was. Oh, don't worry, Sam. It made one point oh four billion dollars. I knew. So. I knew they all made a billion except for this one and the first one. I did not realize they cost four hundred yeah. million dollars. So, what oh do we God. think the uh, the the budget of this movie was? I'm a three thirty. Three thirty. Okay. Because Eric said that, I'm gonna go 360. 360, Samuel. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> um, <coughs> it's it was 230 million dollars. So still Ding. Eric. No, not, oh, not without over. going over. Right. Sam did it. So wait, so you're telling me that they spent 230 million in almost half to their budget? <laughs> yep. They filmed this movie in Australia. It is the biggest production to ever take place in Australia. Uh, apparently gave a lot of jobs to Australian people, which was great. Good for them. Um, and what was the worldwide gross of Pirates of the Caribbean 5, colon, Dead Men Tell No Tales? Well, Sam spoiled that it's not over a billion. Yep. It is not. Actually, only two, but only two movies in this franchise did break a billion, and it was the mm -hmm. second and the fourth. Okay. I did see the figure, uh, I think, earlier this week, so I will buy out of the guess. Okay. 800 million. 800? I, yeah, I think it's like 700 or something. Lauren... You are only six million off seven hundred and ninety-four million dollars. Yeah, redemption. Which is it only made still a, a lot of still money. a lot, yeah. but it only made a hundred and sixty million domestically. So it didn't do yeah. crazy well domestically, but overseas it made a shit ton of money. And we remind you, this movie, like the entire franchise, was not released in China because it has ghosts. Which is no, just no. wild. Are you sure? Yes. I thought this movie was released in China. I thought that's where it did a lot of its money. Ghosts. Ghosts. Oh, they ghosts. don't allow you to release movies in China that have to deal with the supernatural Which, and the occult. I, I said it last episode. Wow. I will repeat it now. If these movies were allowed to be released in China, they would be the most profitable franchise of all time. There would be 12 of these It's a very sad, probable truth. All right. Let's do it, guys. In 2020, do you recommend Pirates of the Caribbean, colon, Dead Men Tell No Tales? Sam, as our nautical expert and guest, I, I'll go to you first. That's a nay for me, Captain. Eric, that's a it's a nay protein right there. Nay nay protein N for no. you, Lauren. No, I no I don't. 
I think if you came this far, you may as well. True. If you just watched the fourth, then yes, because this is better than the fourth. It's better. I than said the that fourth. to a lot of girls in college, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you've watched all four up to this point, you just gotta finish it. I'll you owe it to yourselves. Yeah, this is a big fat no for me. Uh, this, that's a no for me, dog. You're not going to Hollywood. Uh, I don't like this movie. Um, great. And like we always do at this time, is there a modern analog to Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales? This movie came out three years ago, so, you know, it technically is kind of the modern analog to Pirates of the Caribbean 1. But if you can come up with another movie that you think is a better version of this or shares elements of this that are better, uh, Eric, you're dancing with excitement, so I'll go to you first. I am. I'm going to recommend a movie I just saw recently, actually, for the first time. I slept on it a bit. It's a movie that has um, really great action set pieces. It has a, a lineage storyline a little bit that is a bit confusing. And that's Blade Runner 2049. Oh, um, nice. It also brings in an actor that had done a role when they were younger, and they're doing it again as they're older. This time, however, they give a shit. Um, and they do yeah. a really Yeah, they do a really nice job. Uh, this is a gorgeous fucking movie. Um, I, I, I honestly wasn't the biggest fan of the original Blade Runner when I saw it. It was good. Um, but even if you didn't love the first one, it's a f- really fantastic film. Uh, Denny Villeneuve directs it beautifully. Um, some of the best cinematography in the last few years. And you get that little sci-fi action itch with uh, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford kicking ass. Blade Runner You and I will have an off-mic conversation about this movie. Um, I'm very excited for it. Lauren, I'll let you get this one in first, so uh, go for it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Ian and I debated about this one last week. We both were going to use this one last week, and then neither of us recommended this last week. Um, it's an action movie that has um, some more immortal characters, as this, uh, as this series is wont to have, um, and that is The Old Guard on Netflix. Yeah! Um, our friend group is, tends to be a pretty big fan of this one. It has some amazing action set pieces, some fantastic women, people of color, um, it's, it's really good. It's just a really tight action film that's really fun to watch. And, uh, I really wish I'd been able to see it on a big screen because I think it deserves that. Um, but luckily it, it brought a little bit of joy and kickassery into my quarantine and I loved it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Sam, what about you? I just, if you liked this movie and you want to see something newer, you're in luck because this is most of what we're going to get post quarantine. We're going to like, I really feel like. <laughs> This is kind of, I hate to be cynical, but like franchisable IP is the way of the future. And mm-hmm. so if you want to see stuff you liked before, but repurposed in a uh, cheaper lunchbox way, you're in luck. Um, but in terms of something that I so love. The that's... general future is Sam's recommendation. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're in luck because it's all Little Debbie Swiss roll versions of entertainment from here on out. Um uh, no, I mean, I, I will say that, like, the best version to me of this movie is the third Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's the recommendation. <laughs> the modern analog the from modern the analog. 80s. Fuck you, the modern, Sam. the modern analog is it's happening Fuck right now. The you, modern analog Sam. is we're going to get more of these stupid pirate movies. We're going to get more franchises, and we're all going to get fatter and dumber because of it. Is that what you want me to say? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I will say, not. though, Sam. Like, your pitch earlier does legit make me want to watch Last Crusade right now. Like, I have not watched that movie in a it's while. It's a perfect film. It's a perfect film. Yeah. Um, mine, I'm going to go with uh, a movie. <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a stretch, but, you know, let's make it count. Uh, I just watched this for the first time the other day. Uh, it's a documentary. Uh, 
Uh, again, so the big my big takeaway with the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movies is that it's a movie that sets uh, an incredible promise and then spends the rest of its five movie franchise not delivering on its potential uh, and ultimately becoming a major disappointment to me, the audience member. And uh, that is also the subject matter of this incredible documentary uh, on the Criterion channel right now called Lenny Cook, which is the uh, documentary feature debut from the Safdie brothers. And it is about this man named Lenny Cook, who is uh, like essentially a first round draft pick basketball player in high school who, uh, spoiler alert, does not end up getting drafted by the NBA. Uh, and it becomes, it's, it's essentially a 90 minute examination of this man's life after he has had everybody in his life tell him that he is destined for great things. And then the world has told him uh, not today. It's a, a heartbreaking wow. movie. It is really, really excellent. Uh, and is a billion percent kind of what I was thinking about when I was thinking about Johnny Depp in this franchise uh, today. So check out Lenny Cook if you got the Criterion incredible. channel. <laughs> and watch just any of the Safdie Brothers movies. They're all great. Yeah. There you um, go. Great. Sam, I know you got to head out, so we're going to let you go. But Sam and Eric are both voices on the Vanishing Act podcast uh, that Lauren and I are writing and directing. Uh, episode one is out now. Episode two will be out. Will uh, be out by the time this episode drops, yeah. Um, or no, a couple days after this drops. This is coming out on Friday. Um, oh, on this Friday? Yeah. Oh, well then, yeah. It'll Woo-woo! be out three days from then, and both of these these wonderful gentlemen are in that episode. Big happy birthday to our friend Lena, who keeps listening and posting yes, about this. this yeah, Lena! Uh, happy birthday! Happy birthday. Um, but yes, uh, I won't have you stick around and talk about the character now, because I know you have to head out, but eventually we'll have you on again. We'll talk about Rudyard. Oh, yeah. And quick plug, uh, Fargo Season 4 is going to be released on FX and Hulu uh, September 27th. You should watch we have it anyway. A date? Yep, September oh my 27th. God. Season 4 I'm so comes excited. out. So um, and if you if you watch enough, you might see me a little bit. So yeah, yes. it's a great show you. regardless. We're going to see your fucking face. We're going to see Fargo. you get fucking hit in the face with a gun. <laughs> I can't wait. Spoilers, god. Appreciate it. Oh, you no, get to meet Ben Wishaw, which if you've listened to any of this podcast, you know that's a big deal. <laughs> we'll bring back the game of who would Ben Wishaw play in this movie starting Jack with Sparrow. Us. He would play Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I love being with you. Of course. Thanks, Sam. Toodles. Bye. Uh, Eric, talk to us about the living force. Yeah, so this is out, this is out on Friday. Today, we actually have a, a new episode that just came out featuring our first live guest, which is a guy named Stephen Kent from a podcast called Beltway Banthas, who's actually a political commentator that's written for like the Washington Examiner and other places. And we talked all about the politics of Star Wars in a really intelligent, thoughtful way. It was a that's really awesome. fun, like... It was incredible. Like, he's a really sweet guy. We talked about how, like, the Senate works with Padme wanting to be a politician. That's a little bit of idealist. We talked about radicalism and neo-imperial tendencies in the Star Wars books. So if you want to get, like, a really intelligent, fun conversation, today's episode literally is that with Stephen Kent. He's awesome. Um, Was a really smart, fun guy. And we're going to do a lot more live guests that are equally smart in the future. So that was very fun. She's just a senator. I know, and she's a girl. She's a senator. I'm a senator, Anakin. (laughs) She can't love. She's a senator. I'm a senator, Anakin. You can't fuck me behind this couch. (laughs) But maybe. (laughs) Fuck me like you did by the look on the (laughs) boo. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Awesome. We're done. We're done with the seven C's. That was that's been our summer. 
I guess since since it's just the three of us now, we've watched all five of these yeah. movies. Do we want to do our rankings really quick before we close out? Oh, oh I would yes. love to, and then I would also like to to have a brief discussion, a very brief discussion about if we preferred this week's marathon or last summer's marathon of of, Ooh, of franchises. Of the Twilight movies. Yeah. Wow. Now this is now I guess this is annual, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'll I hear, I'll I'll start. Are we going top to bottom? Yeah, let's go top to bottom. Okay. One, two, three, five, four. Like it barely goes out of order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lauren, what about you? I think Yeah. I think I'm about the same. I think I'm the same. Three Eric. and two flirt with each other depending on what I'm in the mood for. Yeah, but ultimately that wheel fight wins. Yeah. It's definitely one two. And then it's just a matter of like five three. Do five and three flip for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what I'm in the mood for. Because <laughs> it's three is very long. And I feel like yes. I'll watch three <laughs> if I've watched one and two. But I'm not necessarily going to just like seek out three. Um, so in that case, I'd watch five over three. But I think three at least has characters I care about much more. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go one, two, three, five, four. Okay. Ian? I'm going to be the uh, the uh, divulging factor here. I'm going to go one, then a steep cliff, then two, <laughs> then a further drop through the Marianas Trench, five, four, three. Wow. We were wow. talking, Lauren and I were talking about this the other day. This may be a highly unpopular opinion. In my opinion, which is completely subjective, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End is one of my least favorite movies I've had to watch for this podcast. I'm there with Stranger Tides. And yeah. No, and I, I totally buy that. But Again, no. a lot of it just boils Ooh. down to like Stranger Ooh. Tides. We didn't pause as much, so it just kind of happened and it was done. At World's End, okay. I had to watch twice, and that movie is so fucking long. And so, and to me, as someone who watches movies constantly, is so confusing and unnecessary that I just I genuinely it makes the parts that are that are thematically like worthy, like the mm-hmm. Elizabeth stuff. It feels like it's just a slap in the face that it's just kind of like yeah, we'll put you in the shittiest package. But I want to know what Lena thinks. Lena, me. tell us your ranking. Lena, I want to yeah. know. I want to know your rankings, Lena. Put it on your Instagram story when you finish this episode. I want to know. In terms of this or Twilight as a series binge, I mean, yeah. the first Pirates is a fucking incredible movie. We've all we all talk yes. about it. We all agree with it. So I feel like that gives it the edge. But honestly, as a package deal, which would I rather watch again? I honestly think I'd rather go Twilight. I think I'd rather go Twilight I, with with all of you. I, I would agree. rather do Twilight with a room full of people. I agree. and it's tough because also like last year again we did watch them all together and those nights were so much fun. It was just at a group experience, but I do think Twilight never hits the heights of the first Pirates. Yep. So you're not yeah. disappointed by the time you get to Breaking Dawn cuz you're exactly. like, "Well, sure." Like you know this what is what expect. it is. In yeah. fact, by the time Breaking Dawn Part Two happens, you're pr- I was pretty much just like, "All right, what new ways can this franchise <laughs> disappoint me now? How can yeah. this fuck it up?" And not only does it make good on the promise to disappoint you, 
it slaps you in the <laughs> face for even wanting a conclusion. I will never forget the looks on people's faces when we watched Breaking Dawn Part 2 as a group. I will never forget Rob, who was our guest for, for those episodes. I will never forget the pure shock and betrayal on his face when he realized that final fight was fake. Fuck you! Never. Fuck you! He was fuck like, you. what? <laughs> fuck you! But, like, it was nice because I remember I came into your apartment as the credits were rolling. And, I like, I could still applaud the credits. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, wow. This, guys, this is weird. When I asked this question, I didn't know we were going to go this way. But not another film yeah. podcast officially recommends watching the entire Twilight Saga <laughs> instead of watching all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, I would rather watch the entire Twilight Saga again for sure. I also think, in just almost even in terms of merit, I think the Twilight movies all feel like they're in the same world. Yeah. Yep. And what the big thing that Lauren and I were saying today while we were watching it was I feel like the first movie succeeds so much because it's like 75% of an adventure film with like 20 to 25% of like buddy comedy in it. Yes. And as it goes on, these latter two movies are like 75% comedy and bullshit and 20% adventure and actually like inventive set pieces. And it's just like, it falls off on like these movies became so not fun to watch. Like that's yeah. that maybe that's my problem with that world's end. It's like even though there are parts of it that I admit are better, there are design aspects that are better, there are story arcs with characters that are better. That movie is so not fun to watch. And no. I feel like at the very least, four is so bad and kitschy and campy that it's kind of like it's f- more fun for me to watch because it's a worse movie. And five yeah. is like regains a little bit of steam. We get some gravitas with Javier Bardem, like but it's and you know Kaya Scaladario is doing what she can, um, but but I I yeah the the Twilight movies are at least the whole time are like yeah no this shit may as well happen like Muse and at is least playing. all the Super soundtracks <laughs> are like bangers yeah <clears throat> you know like we get Muse we get a new Paramore song like you know and that Christina like, Perry never... wedding song is nice we get Charlie every ep- every movie like. Charlie, Billy, Bur- the boy Billy Burke, yeah. I never yeah, take it personally with Twilight, you know. No. Yeah, I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean. I I take it personally when it's bad. Yep. Uh, it yeah. It feels a little bit more like a slap in the face, whereas Twilight, it's like, no, you are exactly what you set out to be at the beginning, and you never pretended to be anything else. You're so happy yeah, you- doing what you do. Like, you have gotten solid, like, C-minuses your whole career, so when you hit, like, a B-minus, I'm ecstatic for you. Whereas Pirates was, like, a fucking AP kid that became a burnout. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, bro, you were getting straight A's, and now you're failing. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, and and this didn't happen for this movie, it happened for the fourth movie, unfortunately, but it was, like, the fact that Johnny Depp was nominated for an Oscar for the first movie and nominated for a Razzie for the fourth movie. Like, that's the journey of the Pirates movies. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's very unfortunate, whereas I feel like Twilight's always been Razzie material, baby, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, and w- so then we're like, hey, the baseball scene, yeah, that was fun, like, it's, yeah. it's... Who knows, maybe next well, year they... we do, I don't know what we do next year, maybe we do Harry Potter. Harry maybe Potter, do, Fast nah. and Furious. We do, oof, man, I'll talk about the best franchise to do. I'm gonna say, um, that'd be a lot, that's a lot of movies, too. A lot of movies. Yeah. These were, were these, bo- these were both five. These were both five. Five's a good number. Four or five is a good number. Yeah. But if honestly, you can find another four or five. Harry Potter though all the would underworld be underworld movies. Underworld's one that I've been pitching maybe for a. Bit. I have not seen a single underworld movie. I've only ever seen the first two. 
So maybe this is a bit of on air like Hey listeners, listeners, let like hey, let how us about know. this? If you leave us a five star review on Apple <laughs> Podcast, tell us what series you want next summer and it'll go if in a hat. Honestly, listeners, if you've made it to this point in the conversation, you tell us <laughs> what you want and we'll do it. <laughs> and I honestly we prefer it's on a streaming platform. But we'll pay the three bucks if we gotta. It's <laughs> like, quarantine, baby. Who knows where we'll be in 2021? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Hopefully we'll all be together in the same room in rural Michigan watching movies again. But watching I'm not a... Maybe the we'll Underworld see. movies. Maybe the Fifty Shades movies. Maybe the... Who knows? Oh, fuck. The Fifty Shades movies. <laughs> who knows? Maybe the Nomeo and Julia. Maybe the Beverly Hills Chihuahua films. <laughs> Maybe Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. If you really, if our listeners really wanted to be mean to us, you could make us do all of the Ice Age movies or all of the Madagascar. Or all the Shrek movies. That's been requested before. I I have done, I did the first three, no, I did the first four Shreks. Three? There are only four. There are only four. Okay, I don't know if I saw the last one. Timberlake's in the third, yeah. Yeah, I saw the third. The second one's a fucking banger. I love the second one. I saw all four of them in theaters. I can't believe we're still recording. I would this do. Episode. I would do the Night at the Museum movies. <laughs> no. I'll show you all how great the Night at the I Museum movies. Ian, I hope you've been playing. Going. Like, I want you to edit in just like Academy Award playoff music for the last seven minutes of this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> People like so heard us like plugging our side projects, and they're like, "There's still twenty minutes left of this episode." <laughs> all right, we gotta go. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Please find us on all of your major uh, podcast platforms and leave us reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, all that fun <laughs> stuff. Check out uh, Utini and the Living Force, Eric's podcast, and check out all of the great writing at utini.com. Uh, check out their merch store as well. They have a Patreon. We do not. We're plugging their Patreon. <laughs> You're the best! <laughs> uh, listen to The Vanishing Act. It's on all of your uh, major yeah! podcast platforms. We're very proud of it, and Eric yeah, does such great work on it, as well as Sam and, and everybody who's been on for the past few weeks, honestly. Um, thank you very much for listening, folks. Savvy! Savvy! Fucking savvy. We're the Savvy Brothers.